Warning, this podcast contains mature themes, coarse language, and hella spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Some things happen once a year, like Groundhog Day. Or the Purge. Or the anniversary of this podcast. It's our first anniversary this time on Love and Horror. One year! <laughs> Woo! Happy anniversary, Deanne. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy, 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 happy. No. <laughs> Just need Fred Flintstone here. Is that where that comes from? Is it from I Simpsons don't, I, that's what I know Simpsons? it from, I'm sure. The prehistoric sure. Simpsons? The pre- well, I mean, really. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm familiar with it from, but okay. I'm sure it pre-existed. Probably, that. yeah. Yeah. But. Anyway, a whole year. Yeah. That's. And we recorded our little uh, happy anniversary video that, by the time you're listening to this, it will be up on our Instagram. Um, it is exactly what you would expect from us. Oh, you mean a hot mess? <laughs> yeah, hot mess express. Hot mess us. express. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm really impressed that we have made it a year. It has been a hell of a year. There have been so much things through COVID and all, like... You know, both of us have had COVID. Mm-hmm. I guess mine was slightly pre-podcast, yeah. but yeah. Um, you got it. Yeah, when and we still yeah we didn't miss a single week. Yeah, through family deaths and COVID and crazy stressful work and everything, we yeah. have stuck through and, and we even got like some travel coming up and we've got it planned for okay we need to like double up on our recordings this day or like record early this day so we can like keep bringing you the dulcet sounds of our voice every other week all through the summer you're, you're welcome, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got our shit together yeah for the podcast for the yeah yeah the rest of my life is falling apart but the podcast but, uh, the podcast is yeah. good. you know we sound good and yeah that's fine it doesn't matter that you know my floor is filthy or that i definitely spilt champagne all over the balcony <laughs> and you know we'll definitely hear the air conditioner and the cat in in the uh episode today but hey we have a podcast together we have a podcast, yeah. and we have had for an entire year. Yeah, that's very exciting. I'm very, very proud of us. I am too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, other than our anniversary, what else exciting is going on in your life? Um, I don't think I'm exciting at all right now. I don't know. No. I feel like I've done things, but it's like I don't know. It happened yesterday so who you've got knows? a road trip coming up i do have a road trip coming up yes that we have to record a couple episodes in quick succession so i can afford myself time to be gone but i'm <laughs> going to bc on the first week of july and i'm very excited i've only ever been to vancouver but i've never been to like the interior mm. at all so we went to bc once when i was 10 yeah um and it that trip has such like family lore now it's always brought up in my family because i was 10 my sister was 12 yeah and you know certain things happen to a 
child around 12 yeah Aww. hormones and puberty yeah. and grumpiness and um poor sheila sorry i'm just gonna air your dirty laundry Uh-oh. here um she was miserable the whole trip Aww, and there's you know girl. happy-go-lucky laura just like yeah. being I'm my on a road trip with my sister yeah it's the best time yeah and meanwhile in the back seat Mom, Laura crossed over my side. Mom, Laura's looking at me. Mom, tell Laura to stop talking. <laughs> and then any... Th- I mean, story of our lives, tell Laura to stop talking. Right. <laughs> and then, yeah, any stop that we made. The the story goes. I don't really remember this because I was 10 and yeah. I was just dumb and happy-go-lucky. <laughs> um, story of my life. <laughs> but apparently she just followed like two steps behind the whole way going... I'm hot. This is boring. Mm. I don't want to be here. Mm. Yeah. So she did not enjoy the trip. And as a result, my parents have had 30 years of stories to tell and give her a hard time about. Oh, geez. Where did you guys go? What did you guys do? (laughs) We had a family reunion. A lot of our family is from out there. Oh, yeah? Oh, I didn't know that. My dad's family. Hmm. Actually, my mom has a lot of family out there, too. Oh, cool. um, This was a family reunion on my dad's side of the family. Um, And we were... Yeah, we went... We went... To all over BC, Oliver, but I thought it was all over. (laughs) And Kimberly, like in the mountains and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We pulled a little bowler trailer with our station wagon. Oh, I love it. And uh, it took so much oomph for the car to pull it like up those steep hills oh yeah so we actually like abandoned it at my dad's uncle's place and oh, wow. just hoteled it for the rest of the trip yeah so that's funny yeah oh awesome well i'm going to cranbrook so mm. i at least have one day of hiking planned for oh nice my friend who isn't as much of a hiker i'm like you're just gonna have to like you know entertain yourself because i definitely want to just gonna hiking. go solo yeah that's so she, that's good it's nice that you have that kind of relationship that you can yeah. be like, listen, I'm going to fuck off for a while. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. She was like. Don't she, get your feelings hurt about it. Yeah. She was like, I'll like come with you and start out. But if I get there and it's like more than just a nice little nature hike, she's like, I'll be like, I'll see you in the car. Yeah. I'll be watching TikTok. Yeah. I don't know if she's a TikToker. She, she's but not a TikToker. No. That doesn't surprise me. She's not a big uh, social media kind of Yeah. Lady, I don't so. think I've ever seen her on social media. Yeah. So. So. Anyway, I am very looking forward to it. Yeah. There's also the one thing I'm very looking forward to is I guess there's a fabric store there that she always goes to. Ooh. And it's called like, I think it's called like Sugar Land or something. But she said she can never remember the name of it. So her and her dad call it Sugar Tits. I was so, just thinking Sugar Tits. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very excited to go to Sugar Tits. Mr. Tits Pervert. Tits Pervert. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I've got a trip planned in July, too. Oh, oh yeah? halfway as far as you're going. We're going oh. to... No, not even halfway. We're going to Calgary. Oh, nice. For, like, two nights. Oh, yeah. That's okay, though. My husband has a, a new job, so he's not going to get any vacation that time this year, and we got an invitation to his aunt's 80th birthday party, and we haven't wow. seen her probably in, like, five or six mm, years yeah. since his mom passed away, so... Right. Or, like, yeah, even if it's a ridiculous whirlwind trip. Because initially we were only going to go for one day. Yeah. But I think we're going to be able to, we're going to, like, push through and we'll make it there really late the first night. But then we've got the whole day the next day. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, if you're going to drive to Calgary, you kind of want, like, at least two nights there to kind of make it worth your while. Um, Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, So it's going to be a whirlwind, but it'll be nice to see his his family and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, we haven't... 
last time we were in Calgary was like seven years ago. So. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. That'll be good. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we've got a couple movies today about annual occurrences. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're gonna start off with the horror movie this time. <gasps> dun dun dun. Yeah. And the annual purge has now commenced. Your cat's about to fall off the couch. If she does, I'm gonna laugh at her because she's just. I don't, even, I don't even have a word. She's just bad. My dog fell off the bed the other day and I laughed really hard. Yeah, I mean, that's... Don't chew the fucking cable. <laughs> oh, See, if you Hazel. fall off the couch, then you deserve it. Get that out of your mouth. You can electrocute yourself, dum-dum. Right? Dum-dum. So, the annual purge has commenced. All podcasts will be legal for the next 12 hours. That's good, because ours is pretty illegal, I think. It's super illegal. Badasses. <laughs> anyway, did you know anything about The Purge um, going into it? Yeah, I knew just, like, the general premise. I was actually quite wrong about oh, okay. it. I knew as much as that it was once a year for a day, all crime is legal. I wasn't yeah. even 100% sure it was all crime, or if it was just murder or, mm, or what, mm-hmm. but I knew that once a year... It was, like, government-sanctioned mayhem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's all I knew about it, really. But there was... The the picture my mind had painted of it was quite wrong. Yeah. I resisted watching it for a long time, because to me, when you tell me that, like, it's government-sanctioned mayhem, like, just, like, everything is legal, I was like, well, this is just going to be a movie about rape. Just people getting raped mm. all over the place. Just like, I didn't rape, even rape, go rape, there. Rape, I, rape. I was thinking murder and theft. I, you know, I definitely have had in my mind in the past thinking about, um, about it, just like knowing the, the general premise of it that like, would I just find somewhere to completely hide for the entire day? Or would I find some money to steal? Like, I'm not interested in killing anybody or anything, but like, if I could like, get my hands on a good chunk of money that would, you know, set me up for the year, I could maybe get behind that. Well, we will get into that. (laughs) But for now, I will tell you that The Purge was a 2013 movie. It was directed by James DeMonico. It stars Ethan Hawke, Lena Headey, Adelaide Kane, and Max Burkholder. It had a budget of $3 million and made $89 million at the box office. So a little successful. A little bit. It spawned four sequels and a two-season TV series. I wasn't sure. I felt like I... This is the good thing. We got this on DVD from the library instead of on a streaming service. Because, you know, like on a streaming service, you type in the name and any sequels come up. So a lot of the other ones, I'm like, oh, well, I can see that there's sequels. I wasn't sure. I I felt like maybe I knew that there was sequels, but... I, that wasn't confirmed. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, it opened at number one the weekend that it came out. Um, it has a Metacritic score of 41 and a user score of 5.3. Uh, the tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes has it at 39% hmm. with an audience score of 36%. So relatively low scores, which I looked at this, I like, I looked at reviews kind of for the first time today and cause I didn't really know how people yeah. had uh, received it or whatever. I was kind of surprised at how low they were. Because, like, I, 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 I personally, I love this series. Like, you know, some are better than others, as usual. But I really love it. So I was kind of surprised at how low everything was. Do you like this first one, like, the best in the series? Or? No, I don't. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. 
Um, so, of course, there wasn't a review from Uncle Raj, but uh, RogerEbert.com, uh, one of the sort of staff writers or whatever for yeah. that, um, he gave it 1.5 stars out of 5, which, you know, he still... I guess tracks with the horror is, you know, yeah. I'm above horror. Right? That's, yeah. that's, that's the... the running theme of this podcast is yes everybody horror thinks they're book. above horror yeah so um a pull quote from uh rogerebert.com says at one point in the purge a horror film in which americans are legally allowed to commit crime one night per year a character laments that things will never be the same again that line is cringeworthy given that the character just watched people she loves hurt somebody without hesitation yet you don't know anyone in the film well enough to care one way or the other and the camera jiggled so much during the violence that you only got teasing migraine inducing impressions of the act so okay then <laughs> i mean some of that i agree with yeah they, yeah, the the camera shaking, definitely. But, you know, revisiting multiple comments from multiple episodes, I'm sure that was intended. Yeah. It um, kind of be like this, like, chaos that's yeah, going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you feel chaotic, and that yeah. is accomplishing something. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> um, so I went to dreadcentral.com to see, like, what do, like, horror people have yeah. to say about this, um, thinking like, oh, maybe we'd see like a better review there. And even at that, they only gave it two knives out of five. <laughs> and their pull quote is, this movie is about the Sandins and how they respond to this horrific I- ordeal. Sure, they grow and have a change of heart, but up until that point, they're nothing more than passive participants in the slaughter of innocent victims. Why should we care about them? When you're trying to make a point about class warfare, having your protagonists serve as a metaphor for the 1% isn't the best way to make us root for them. Poorly constructed character arcs and changes of heart be damned. So it's like, oh yeah, like that, I don't know, that needed to be like pointed out to me for some reason. Like, I, oh yeah, I forgot, eat the rich, fuck those people. I definitely, definitely, and I mean, I'm sure I've got actual notes to echo this in my notes, but... That was a lot of my feelings about it that mm-hmm. were like, these. It's very hard. These are not sympathetic victims. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and and there were some really. I think one of I can't remember. If, I think it was the first review. I read the RogerEbert.com one that said something about a line being cringy. There were a few yeah. like cringy like. Mm-hmm. Um, unnatural sounding oh, lines yeah. when they yeah. were all kind of. Um, kind of coming to their change of heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just like, oh, that's like secondhand that. embarrassment. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so why don't you give me a synopsis? So we start out meeting Ethan Hawke, who yeah. I had no clue was in this. Um, and he is a richy rich one percenter, <laughs> like you said, who um, sells security systems for people for purge night. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's all excited because he's gotten big sales and like everybody in the neighborhood has bought security systems from him and um so it's purge night we get a little bit of a introduction as to what it is and it's kind of explained a number of ways um just through like conversation with the family and like the radio and stuff yeah um you you get a introduction to what purge night is and it's 12 hours where all crime is legal and some people so the government is really encouraging this this is a way to reset and cleanse and um 
I think the word cleanse is even used yes. a few times, yeah. which is very symbolic, I would say. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's... Uh, yeah, so some people hide and hunker down and and try to avoid any crime, and some people need to get it out of their systems. Yeah. And um, so the family that this movie focuses on is the former. They want to just lock down with their fancy security system and um, just ride it out, I guess. Mm. Um, but they're kind-hearted child lets a stranger in the house uh which is just the beginning of all mayhem Mm -hmm. so um also the the daughter's boyfriend sneaks in the house um and he's got some bad intentions as well and so they spend the rest of the night trying to fight for their lives and to some success (laughs) yeah okay well i do have some fun facts here um so one thing that surprised me is this movie was kind of inspired by two things um one i guess there's a star trek like the original series episode that kind of inspired uh the director (laughs) it's called return of the archons or return of the archons um a-r-c-h-o-n-s where's Um, jesse when you need right exactly (laughs) i know i was thinking of that as i was writing it here um, our friend Jesse is a big Trekkie. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's an episode where, uh, the Enterprise kind of lands on this planet where it's, like, very, like, peaceful, and it's, like, a really lovely society, but, like, kind of once a year, they just get, like, super violent and kind of, like, get it all out of their system, mm. and then they go back to being lovely, peaceful people. Only with, like, half of their loved ones yeah, gone. Yeah, you know, it seems whatever. perfectly logical. Yeah. So there was that, and then there was also um, an incident where director James DeMonaco was uh, driving with his wife, and a drunk driver uh, cut them off and, like, nearly killed them. And they got out of out of the car to kind of, like, confront the guy, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you know, you could have killed us, blah, blah, blah. And the guy just, like, kind of didn't give a shit. He mm. was just like, oh, whatever, like, nobody died, get over it. And the director actually got in, like, a fist fight with this guy, and he just, like, went nuts, and the police had to be called, hmm. and, like you know kind of break them up or whatever and once him and his wife were kind of on their way again she was like you know sometimes i just wish like you kind of got one free one yeah kind of thing and Hmm. he was just like you're normally a very nice person where the hell did that come from and then kind of the gears started turning after that kind of thing interesting yeah um there are other things but i think they'll probably come up like kind of as we uh as we talk so uh let's get into the purge Okay, so, um, so immediately the, like, the classist vibes are Mm. coming true, and I'm like, is this right now? Right? And yes, it actually is. It takes place in 2022, and I'm like, okay, we'll get into that later. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'm just like, this is, this seems very timely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why does this sanctioned by the federal government thing just not sound so far-fetched. Right? Yeah. Like, when this movie came out, it was like, that's weird, and 2022 is so far away. And, like, ever since, like, the insurrection, yeah. it's just like, I'll fucking believe anything now. Absolutely. Like, I, I feel like like the United States is so close to civil war right now. I do, too. And Especially... Maybe like, they need a purge night. I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe, like, not so much right now but like right around the insurrection yeah. i was like that country is going to burn to the ground there's like, it's still just... so much that i'm just and like... not even like in a judgy way like americans are fucking weird like, no it's just, but it's like, just like there's a lot going on there's there, a lot going and... on and you can just 
you can just and I mean not that not that Canada's not yeah. going through similar stuff too, but you really can see it um just the divide and and the way that there is just no way in my mind to see different sides to come together. Yeah. People are so committed to being separate sides of yes. things that yeah. there is just no way that they're going to ever find a compromise yeah. on yeah. certain it's, things. Yeah. Agreed. Anywho, back to the movie. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we might get into a couple oh, little... Oh, we're going to uh, get into it today. Yeah. Yes. Um, and immediately I'm like, oh, the night is not going to go well for this family. Like, he's so yeah. cocky about his his top sales yeah. and this security system and every, everybody in the neighborhood's got it and stuff. Um, yeah. And I'm like, the night is not going to go well yeah. for this family. Yeah. Um, even the neighbor bringing the cookies over, like she had a vibe. It felt very suspicious. Yes. I was like, are those cookies poison? Yes. Because yeah. if they eat the cookies after the time, then that's, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, they didn't have to break into the house to kill them. Like yeah. it's still a, it's still a sanctioned yeah. crime. When they're, the family's all kind of, like, sitting around the dinner table and they're talking about the purge night and stuff with their kids. Um, the dad says, this night saved our country. And I'm like, and they had just been talking about how, um, or there there was something on the news or something that was, that led to some classist-seeming thing. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what made me draw this conclusion, mm-hmm. but I'm like... Um, this night saved our country, a.k.a. got rid of all the poor and homeless people. Right, yeah. Um, and and it's like, this saved our country from what the rich people can see. Like, there are still poor and homeless people. Absolutely, yeah. They just, you know, like, just the rich think that it's, everything's so much better. When yeah, in their little gated community, in their sheltered little world, they, mm-hmm. they don't know any different. Yeah. Um, I was listening to armchair expert this mm-hmm. week and you know i really enjoy that podcast i listen to it every week and there's yeah. multiple like offshoots of it now like they have a show coming out almost every day yeah, and they've I, got like a whole like yeah and i listen network. to all of them yeah um and i enjoy them but like dax shepherd tries so hard to like be the voice of reason mm-hmm. like he doesn't mm-hmm. want you to think he's too liberal like yeah he oh, definitely is liberal but he's yeah. like he always wants to play devil's advocate for the other side uh. to point out how like ridiculous like the extreme mm-hmm. liberals are mm-hmm. and stuff and they were talking about the like different terminology saying unhoused instead of homeless or whatever mm-hmm. and of course that's just too far and like and i'm like anything like that that's just a change of language it's like first of all language changes get over it yeah second of all it doesn't affect you. If yeah, it, like, if it's you're just, not going to die because you have to say the word unhoused instead of And if of you don't want to say the word unhoused, fucking say homeless. I don't care. Yeah. But you don't need to make a big point about it. Yeah. So I was really, yeah. like, most of the time when he gets on his little diatribes, I'm like, I'm fine with a devil's advocate yeah, yeah. debate, but he gets so, like, refuses to concede to the other point. Sometimes it, it there are times where I'm just like... I can't get on this yeah. this uh, soapbox with you, buddy. Yeah. And this was one of them, and he was he was talking about I can't, the, something about like, you know, but look at L.A. You don't see homeless in L.A. And it's like, yeah, in your fucking neighborhood of L.A., you don't yeah, see homeless, but they are like, the, the biggest populations of homeless pe- or unhoused people like in the country. And and 
Yeah, of course you don't see them because you go to all the fancy places where the city. Thing to say. I know. Um, and I and I'm like, the reason you don't see them is because officials remove them exactly. from the places that yes. are the places that you go. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, wow. Sidebar. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was just like, oh, oh, that one. You got some emails over that one. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, we also see the son's creepy robot. I love it. It reminds me of Virtual Sheldon. Oh, I don't know what that is. From Big Bang Theory. Yeah. I don't know if you watched I, Big I, Bang I, I, I would watch it, like, you know, when it was on or whatever, but I don't remember Virtual Sheldon. There was an episode where he... I don't know if he was trying to avoid a, a cold or a flu that was going around or oh, something, okay. and he decided he was going to become virtual, and he made, like, this little robot that had, like, a tablet screen, and he just stayed in his room, but this little robot went everywhere, like, even what? to the restaurant with his friends what? and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm like, this just says Virtual Sheldon oh, vibes. Um... Combined with Sid from Toy Story vibes. Yeah. Um, I know that reference, even though it's Disney. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you'd seen that one. So So the son, uh, Charlie, I think his name is, uh, he was in the TV show Parenthood. Oh, okay. Which I've watched, like, a lot of, but Mm. I kind of fell off, and so I haven't watched the last couple seasons of, but, um... Yeah, he's in that. And Dax Shepard actually is in that show as well. So, little time. Crossover. (laughs) Um... Anyway, yeah, I just thought it was cool. Yeah. I in the credits, I recognized the name, but I couldn't put my finger mm. on it. And he's like one of the first characters you see, oh, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." There you go. Um. So shortly after they finish their supper and go into lockdown mode and stuff, a stranger is running in the street, screaming, asking for help, mm. and Charlie decides to let him in the house. First of all, I'm annoyed already at this point that it's like, okay, I get it. You've got a good security system, but being that you're clearly the central point of the movie, we know that the night's not going to go well for you. Why are you letting your kids all fuck off all over the house? Like, shouldn't you just like stay in one place and like make sure everybody's safe all night, even if you are confident in your security system. I feel like I'd be like, no, the family stays together tonight. Yeah, and I feel like, like, no matter how good my, like, security was, I feel like I would not sleep that night. Like, I'm just gonna Absolutely, stay up all night, yep. and, like, I might, like, sit here and just, like, I would probably try to watch a movie, but end up, like, doom scrolling oh, while yeah. I'm doing it. But, but Watching yeah, all like, the reports of yeah, the mayhem coming yeah, in already but I, I would like not go to sleep yeah. and i probably like wouldn't leave this room yeah like, i would be like snacks around me i would and be just, yeah. super like vigilant all mm-hmm. night no matter what and uh yeah so i was so annoyed at that the they just let the kids go to their rooms and stuff but like that is like, very like becomes part of the plot later yeah yeah i like how they're like eating dinner and it's like one minute to seven or whatever it's like oh we better lock up and it's like why didn't you do that the second you walked in the door right tonight? like you didn't have to wait till seven i had that thought too i'm like you didn't have to wait until the siren went off right? to lock yeah, down like, like get home lock down yeah. and then eat supper yeah and then if someone comes to the door before then like the neighbor or whatever then you can like unlock because apparently like the door is just all unlock real easy yeah you have to put in the door code and it all yeah why does your kid even have the code right yeah um but yeah i'm like oh that was a bad decision charlie this is not not 
gonna end well. Especially with the purge, like, at that point, like, on purge night, I wouldn't trust anyone. Yeah, not like, a soul. Like, the first that time guy... I saw that, I was like, well, that's a trap. He's yeah. trying to get them out of the house. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. I'm like, he doesn't actually need help. He's trying to get into a house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And that would have, that specific scenario would have been something that I drilled into my kid's head, like. Yeah. Don't like, if somebody's anyone. asking for help, the chances are it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a yeah. trap. It's a trap. Um, so, the th- this is where I started realizing that it's different than I thought it was mm. going to be. I really was um, surprised that it just focused on one family and oh, in one okay. house and one location. Yeah. I, I thought that it was going to be much more like out in the streets seeing all this mm. mayhem and chaos mm. and stuff. Part two um, is like that. Is it? Okay. Yeah. And maybe that's what I was thinking of. Maybe I've seen a preview for that or something. But yeah, I was like, I'm really surprised that this is just kind of focusing on this this small cast of characters. Um, And I said that, like, so far anyway, I don't know what to go on from here. Um, And then we've got a big gap where I just didn't take any notes. Like, it was all fairly... It was all fairly predictable once Yeah. Once once you realized that the stranger in the house was really just a like somebody looking for yeah. help and he's trying to hide. And once like as soon as um Zoe's boyfriend mm-hmm. appeared, I'm like, mm-hmm. he's gonna yeah. kill them. Yeah. I wasn't sure if he was gonna kill them all or what, but I'm like, yeah, no, he's there for no good. Yeah. Um, he's not just going to talk to your dad. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, so I just kind of sat and watched it for a while. I didn't take a ton of notes. Yeah. The next, um, the next kind of scene that got me really, like, thinking or reacting in any kind of way Um, And I think part of it, too, that I didn't take a lot of notes and didn't have a lot of feelings was was exactly what we talked about earlier, where these just weren't sympathetic people. Mm, Yeah, I. Yeah, it didn't it didn't make you feel a real connection to them. Yeah, Um, they didn't feel overly like a family. Yeah, which I think is maybe part of that, like one percent thing where, you know, like you're a family, but. But everybody's got their own thing. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, and they're just kind of a little stilted. Yeah. Um, but the scene that got me, like, the first, like, real cringe, um, not not secondhand embarrassment cringe, mm-hmm. but, like, hide your eyes cringe, yeah, yeah. was the letter opener scene. Oh, yeah. So they're, they, uh... So we're well into the movie at that point. Yeah. The the preppy kids have come to the door and announced that they're looking for the stranger that went yeah. into the house and they're going to wait there and give them a certain amount of time. And, yeah. Um, so now they realize they need to find this stranger and kick him out so that the kids can have their purge moment. Yeah. And... Uh, and it'll save their family. Otherwise, they're going to break in. And yeah. And we realize the security system isn't all that and yeah. whatever. So they're trying to find this guy. And they find him. And the dad fights with him. And they wrestle him to the ground and start taping him up and stuff. And he gets stabbed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so he's unconscious. And they're trying to tape 
him up and tape him to a chair. And he wakes up and he starts fighting again. Yeah. And so then the dad instructs the mom to take the letter opener that's on the desk and, like, stab him in his same wound again already. Yeah. And I don't know if the the purpose of that, rather than just, like, stab him in the heart, was, like, they they wanted him to stay alive so that they could send him out. So So they didn't, like, necessarily have blood on their hands. I didn't didn't interpret it that way. I thought that it was, like, if they killed him, then Mm -hmm. those kids outside weren't going to get to kill him. And that's what they wanted. They wanted to kill him. So they needed to keep him alive to fulfill... It wasn't a send him out dead or alive. It was send him out alive. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, that was just my interpretation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really squirmed at that moment. Yeah. Um, and kind of, I alluded to this earlier when I talked about the, you know, the plot point of them all going to their separate rooms and stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a real, like, metaphor or something to, um, like, a house so big that you can lose your family right? in. Yeah. And lose, like, a person that breaks into your house. that Or, yeah. like, that gets into your house. Yeah. That, like, doesn't know, like, that, like the layout or anything. Like, you've just, you've lost a person in yeah. your house. Like, My house is, is a decent size. Like, it's yeah. too big for two people. Yeah. But I could find you anywhere in my house. I could find you. Yeah. I will find you. Oh, no. And I will kill you. Do you have a specific set of skills? I do. Oh. She's going to crochet me a sweater. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm like, I feel like that, that kind of mirrors the, the disconnect of the family is this big house Mm -hmm. that like, you're not forced to spend any time together. Yes. Um, And then this is where I really had like my, I, I definitely, like, ethically flip-flopped a mm, bit. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, for sure the intention. Yes. Like, you kind of can't blame him for trying to save his family. Yeah. Um, Especially on Purge Night, where it is very much, like, me or you. Me you or know? you. And and it's not just allowed by the society and government and stuff. It's encouraged. Yeah. It's, it's almost, like, demanded. Like, there's... There's definitely a a sense of like you shouldn't be just hiding away in your house. Yeah, you should yeah, be you participating should be in this. Yes. Yeah. Um, the great reset or whatever. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm like you kinda can't blame him for trying to save his family. You would think his family would understand a little bit better. Like yeah. this isn't from the sounds of things, the purge had been going on for several years. Like yeah. probably all of his kids' lifetime. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, I can see the moral conundrum of, like, I wouldn't want to kill somebody, even though it was legal, like, um, but I would, yeah, I I was surprised at how opposed to everything his family was when it's like, this is, this is how you've grown up, this is how, like, this is expected, essentially. Yeah, I think because, like, they're so sheltered. They've never had to, like, deal with that before. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, we can afford to not participate in society. Yeah. You know, which is kind of a thing that rich people can do. Like, yeah, they don't absolutely. have to do regular things. We can kind of sit on the hilltop behind our gated community. Like, um, even, 
Ethan Hawke says at one point, he says, like, after they've kind of locked down, and he says to Charlie, like, it's okay, it'll be the same as, like, every other year, we're fine, we can, because we can afford the security system. Right, yeah. So they've never had to do anything. Yeah, there's there's several points that are made like that to make sure that it's, uh, that you're aware that, like, only the rich can afford to survive. Yes, yeah. Uh, I also was annoyed that I'm like, okay, in my mind, part of, like, an excellent security system, especially in a giant house like that, would be a panic room. Like, an impenetrable room. Yeah. Like, Uh no matter how good my security system was, if I was trying to pass the night and not... uh, I'd be, like, sure that I'm safe. Yeah. I I would want, like, a really, really well-hidden, like secret passageway to a like a panel panic have room to, like pull down like one book right the door opens yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. yeah so that you would be perfectly well hidden yes. and sealed in yes and i'm like this seems obvious to me yeah <laughs> um yeah and even like as far as hiding or something like that like they're panicking because they know that these people are going to break into their house and kill them. Um, even if you don't have a panic room or uh, real like specific hiding spot or something, yeah, use that time instead of trying to like if you're opposed to killing the stranger, yeah, use that time to come up with like a real good plan of where to hide. Yeah, like we've established this house is so big you can lose people in exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah, there's got to be somewhere that you oh, can sure. hide that would you know you'd be able to ride out the last few hours yes, or whatever yeah i mean like that little like hidey hole that that charlie has yeah. in his closet like you know yeah if, if you if didn't you make a hidey hole in his closet like everyone probably has a closet like that that they could just you know yeah so i don't think all four of them would fit in that little closet no. but i mean you know and that hidey hole was like the stranger guy found it so but didn't charlie show him like where to go did he? Oh, I, th- I, I th- like he, he showed him with his little like creepy. Oh thing yeah, that, like, yeah, yeah. He right flashed the lights. And, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Gotcha. Yes. But yeah, I mean, there's got to be something in that house that you could hide in. Yeah, like a walk-in freezer or something. I don't know. Um. Yeah, and then there was another thing that made me think like really poor people exist only to fulfill our need to purge. Yeah. Yes. Um. Which kind of makes me feel like. Do you remember? Like. I don't know, a month or two ago when they were talking about, um, when they first kind of brought up the discussion of Roe v. Wade and they're like, we're low on like American stock or something like that. And it's like, "Mm, yeah, yeah, we just need you to breed more people. Yeah. I do really feel like we're getting towards the end and, and it's really getting into the, the debate back and forth of whether, it's moral to kill somebody mm-hmm. to save your own lives, mm-hmm. essentially. And I'm like, I feel like you could really get esoteric about this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this movie. Yes, 100%. I also feel like those rich kids that were waiting for the stranger to be put yeah. back outside mm-hmm. wasted all of their fucking purge night. Yeah. Like, this is just one guy. Exactly. Just move on. Go find other yeah. people to kill. Like, you, you've wasted... Yeah, if, if you want to purge so bad, like, there are yeah. tons of other people that yeah. you can purge. Um, the main preppy guy, mm-hmm. um, 
the polite what what is he's called the polite something yeah i saw yeah. that in the credits i can't remember right yeah. after the end yeah. he he does creepy real well oh yes and then I just had to get a little, like, why can't we purge in the daytime? Why does it have to be so dark? Come on, you know why. Just to drive Laura crazy. Yes. Uh. <laughs> so then the um, the kids break into the house and people start shooting at people and trying yeah. to kill everybody. And I had a moment where I thought like, Ethan Hawke, were you a stormtrooper in a previous life? Cause you got yeah. shitty aim. <laughs> yeah. There was one part where he was literally like, bam, 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 bam. And like none of them. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you need to take some fucking target lessons. Right? Uh, the, the next real squirm mm-hmm. was, uh, the axe in the back. Ooh, yeah. Like, just square in the back, yeah. sunk it deep. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Grim. They've got Mary pinned down, the mum. Yeah. And they're, like, taunting her with the knife and stuff. Yeah. There was so much buildup in that scene that I'm like, 100% somebody's going to come around yeah. the corner and kill them. Yeah. Like, they didn't, it, they didn't just stab her. They wasted so much time, like, building up yeah. to yeah. killing her that I knew there was no way they were going to actually yeah. get to kill her. And then I just have a all capital letters, go Zoe. Go Zoe, yeah. <laughs> she became kind of badass yeah. in the end there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the neighbors all come in and they think they're saved because yep. of the neighbors. And I'm like, yeah, she was a creepy bitch. That's right. Yeah, she has something up um, her like sleeve. The, the, the friendly neighbors are bad news. Yep. Um, and then, <laughs> so I, I liked the way it ended where they kind of held everybody hostage until um till 7 a.m yeah, when when yeah. it ended um now get the fuck out of my house yeah i was really annoyed at the reason that the neighbors wanted to kill them because you made all this money off of us and and now you're flaunting it and it's like you chose to buy these security systems yeah like you participated in this yeah you're and i mean furthermore like you you live in a gated community too. Yeah, like you were also flaunting your wealth. They made a point to talk about like how they did an addition with all the extra yeah. sales. They yes. did an add on yeah. to the house or whatever. But it's like you are clearly profiting from Absolutely. capitalism too. Yes. So like yeah. it seemed like such a thrown in idea of why they were annoyed. Like it just it didn't make sense to me because I'm mm. like. You guys wanted security systems. He sells security systems. Yeah, yeah. You could have gone to other, elsewhere. You could have... Well, and it's not like if you're going to live in this neighborhood, you have to buy this security yeah, system. Like, yeah. It's like, you're going to buy a security system. Like, you're rich and you live in this nice house. Right? Yeah. You want to protect it. So, yeah, you're going to um, do it. Yeah. So, I was annoyed about that. I feel like it's like, kind of, people probably were looking for any kind of excuse or way to, like, make it seem like the purge is okay it's like well we should participate in the purge hmm don't you hate the sandins right yeah, yeah let's yeah. purge them very much look at that bitch eating crackers yeah exactly <laughs> yes look at um, bitch eating those cookies that i made and dropped off at her house um and then we had a moment where i'm like okay that just proved to me that i am like caught up in this movie now because yeah. um the the neighbors are about to kill all the like they're getting all the kids and and the mom tied up and stuff. Yeah. Dad's already dead at this point. Yep. Um, and the stranger comes around the corner and he's the one who kind of saves the day. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And I had forgotten about him. I had oh, entirely yeah. forgotten yeah. about him. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah that guy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's that's points. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, so then, then the movie ends with, like, nothing will ever be the same, but... Yeah. And I, you know, I spent so much time distracted in this movie thinking about, like, the cleanup afterwards and right? stuff. <laughs> like, well, and then... I like, is it, is it a bring out your dead kind of scenario? It's, it's probably, like, then another huge industry of, like, purge cleanup yeah, things. Yeah, I would imagine. they probably be like, oh, for X number of dollars, we'll come out and have your house cleaned up by 8 o'clock or whatever. Yeah. Like, there's people that, like, you know, that probably have, like, that schedule. Like, we could yeah. be out at 9 a.m. the day yeah. after the purge. Although, hard to say because these richy rich areas don't have the carnage and mess and stuff probably usually to clean up so they maybe don't and then the people who are getting the the worst of it yeah are probably not people who can afford to have a cleanup service that's true yeah it just it goes on and on it does yeah um so that was all my my thoughts really um it was a very watchable movie yeah yeah um a couple real squirmy, gory parts, yeah. but nothing, nothing too disturbing or anything. Yeah. Okay. I know I, I said I sound like I complained a lot, like I didn't like these people and stuff, but oh. overall, I did more or less enjoy the yeah. movie. I okay. actually gave it. I have to read how I wrote this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave it seven out of ten. Sid from Toy Story Creations. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So would you purge if, if the purge oh, happened here? Um, I'm a pussy. Yeah. Like, straight up. Yeah. I... Well, this is the point I was going to make. Thank oh, you. Okay. okay. Yeah. This is not an original thought by any means, but every time I see somebody on the internet say this, I'm like, that! Yes, that! <laughs> yeah. The argument of... It's the same argument of... You don't believe in God? Well, what stopping you from going out and raping and killing as much as you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do rape and kill as much as I want. Exactly. Which is I zero. want zero. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh Yeah, so it's the whole concept of I don't I don't need a higher being, whether that be the government or the or a religious figure or whatever, mm-hmm. to to try and do what's best for the greater yeah good like you know my morals are my morals and and the only thing driving them is my personal experience and my feelings towards other people yeah like i'm not murdering people because it's against the law like i'm not murdering people because i just don't want to murder people yeah exactly yeah yeah, for sure yeah you could tell me tomorrow that murder's legal and i'd be like that's nice okay yeah yeah hopefully nobody hates me enough to want to murder me yeah exactly Um, yeah so so i would say I mean, any any thought experiment like that, it's like you can't really say unless you're in the, yeah. um, like if you've grown up with that, who knows? But yeah. as a person right now, if the purge became in 2023, in March of 2023, yeah. if the purge was a thing, yeah. no, I would be hiding in my crawl space. Yeah. 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 Is that, would that be your plan to get into the crawl space? Me? I don't know. I'd, I'd find some good hidey place. Yeah. And I do have a creepy little crawl space in you my do. house. So, uh, you do. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, I would, yeah, I would definitely like not be out in the street, like with a machine gun. Cause yeah. I'm me. 
Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think about it a lot, like, as, I think about it a lot, because I'm a fucking weirdo who watches too many <laughs> scary movies, but it's like, as an apartment dweller, like, that's really tricky, because I can, you know, lock my door and, like, barricade it or whatever, but what if someone decides to candyman me and come through my bathroom window, Yeah, or, you know? like, you know, you've got a balcony, somebody could scale these balconies, and... Thanks, I needed to talk about that, it was <laughs> You're really welcome. great, yeah. Um... Like, you know, I, you can come and hide in my yeah, crawl space. Yeah, I would definitely have to, like, come to your house yeah. or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that, like, a lot of people, when I read a lot of things online about, like, what would you do in The Purge? And, like, almost everyone's answer is, like, I would go to Canada. Like, you know. Because, yeah. so it's like, as a Canadian, you know, we don't have, quote unquote, we don't have The Purge here. But I feel like we might be, like, easier to kind of, like get away from the mayhem because we have so much space in yes, Canada and like yeah. just like go, go find a little cabin in the woods yeah, yeah absolutely which I mean you know someone could track you and then you know yeah kill you there but I feel like if you were out somewhere really remote it's the same thing as getting away from the zombies yeah, yeah. um it's not perfect but somebody would really have to specifically hate you and want to go out of their way to murder you to track you down like that. yeah yeah I think so yeah, so I wouldn't be out purging, but it's like you said at the top of the episode, like if I could find a way to like, you know, get my hands on some money. And and I will even add a caveat to that because even if it's legal, I don't want to harm somebody else. Yes. I don't want to put somebody in a difficult situation. So I'm not going to break into grandma's house and steal. No. I'm going to break into Walmart. Exactly. Yeah. Walmart Which has Walmart has enough money that they're going to have a great security system. So you're not going to be able to anyway. So I will be in my basement. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. If you could like find a way to break into like a big corporation or like a bank or something. Yeah. Like that's the way to do it. But yeah. yeah I mean just like harming an individual who like if you steal from them then what you get up on March 20th, 23rd or whatever and you're like hey what's up? Yeah. So uh, I got all your money now. Yeah. Sucka. Like, you know. Yeah. Can't I do mean, a damn thing about it. Yeah. Like, you and I are just, I guess we're just have too much of a moral compass to actually <laughs> purge. Yeah. I, I can't see it ever being something that that my current mindset would be okay with. Yeah. I was listening to um, Guide to the Unknown podcast, and they had talked about the purge, and they were like, what would you do? Like, what would be like your one crime that you were committing? They were both just like, I would just download all the movies I could find. <laughs> yes, yes, love it. Yeah, I was trying to think of like what's like a crime that I could like, like reasonably a, pull off. Yeah, it's like more or I less victimless crime. The shit out of these streets. Yeah. <laughs> In uh, this might be a bit of a spoiler for like future movies or whatever but there is one um in in the movie the first purge um they kind of look at like what happens like that very first year mm. and they have like surveillance like all over because i think in the first one it only happens like on long island or like staten island or something so they can keep it really like contained oh, I didn't and kind of like that i research. thought it was like the whole country yeah eventually it goes to the whole country oh. but this is kind of oh, like gotcha okay. like in the first, the first purge is like just on this one little place so they can kind of like see what goes on and, you know, the purge kind of gets underway that night and they're kind of watching everything and they're like, no one's doing anything. There's like the odd like yeah. murder or whatever, but these people are all just like partying and like the crimes they're committing are like playing their music too loud, and, like, <laughs> drinking on the street and like smoking weed and stuff. And so then they have to get nefarious because they oh. want the purge to happen. Yeah. Things happen. So, yeah, but yeah, it's, you know, it's like when you watch it in 2013, it's like, this is so far-fetched. Yeah. You know, it's like, is the government taking notes on how to right. make this happen? Because I don't um, know. Yeah. All you got to do is make some sort of a TikTok trend. Yeah, 
Purge trend. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so a couple other, uh, fun facts I can give you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at kind of like they, they show in the beginning, um, kind of like the, the footage of purges mm, that are yeah, happening yeah. around the country and they show like, here's what's going on in Sioux Falls. And that's actually like news footage of the LA riots. From oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's kind of poignant too, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's very, very purgy. And things like that make me think that like... It really isn't far-fetched to think yep. that if if people were given a green light, they would just go ham. Oh, they would just like, go nuts. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it's like um, one of the things in, in the movie The First Purge, when, like, people aren't doing anything and then they kind of, uh, you know, nefarious things happen and the purge kind of ticks up and the, the kind of the scientist behind it is like, I don't understand why things are getting so crazy now. She's like, all my data suggested that the purge would go like real ham, like right at seven o'clock. Mm. And then it will kind of like die down after people were like, well, that happened. Let's just you know, <laughs> move on. And so, yeah, I think like if it first started, people would just go nuts. And then they'd be yeah. like, well, I'm kind of hungry now. I guess I'll yeah. just break into a McDonald's and, you know, oh, well, make some maybe that's something McNuggets. I would do. I would. Uh, yeah. I would. Yeah. I would get some nuggets. Yeah. There you go. Just like break into Starbucks and have all the cold brew you can handle. Which isn't very much these days. It's disappointing. <laughs> um, so interestingly, um, Ethan Hawke is friends with uh, Jason Bloom, who is the producer. He uh, is the Bloom behind Bloomhouse Productions. Um, and he agreed to work for Scale because mm. he was just like this, like a little indie film. And I mean, an indie film with a budget of $3 million. $3 million is like peanuts though it, for it a really film is, budget. It really is, which is insane. It is insane. Yeah. yeah, but he's like, yeah, I know like your little movie could use some star power. So like, yeah, a little movie. Yeah, so like I can I can be in it for scale. So he, he did it for three for $3,000. Oh, wow. And then apparently the thing with Bloomhouse Productions is everyone on their on their, on their their movies work for scale, but then you get a cut of the profits mm. that the movie makes. So um, given how popular this movie was, this actually ended up being the most money Ethan Hawke ever made on Oh, really? Even though he was doing it like as a favor and working That's for like so cool. $3,000. I like when things work like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I guess the only other thing that I kind of picked out that was kind of interesting is um, all the, they call them um, the freaks, the people that like showed up at, at the Sandin store. Oh, okay. and They were kind yeah. of, um, all the girls that were wearing like the white dresses. Yeah. That's kind of inspired by like the Manson girls. Oh yeah. Okay. So, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and it's funny too with those, those freaks then yeah. I guess. Um, the cover of the DVD has like a creepy looking mask yeah. and I'm like. What what I didn't I didn't understand the masks ah, okay. until they showed up and I'm like oh, okay yeah 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 and that kind of becomes like a thing throughout the series and mm. people are kind of wearing masks because I mean yeah you know like everything is legal and you're not gonna like get arrested or anything but these are people that you have to like look at on, I like, guess yeah at work yeah whatever, you don't so. want your neighbor to know that you killed his wife right yeah yeah exactly so it's like you put on a mask and then mm. yeah it's it's okay weird. that makes like, a little more sense yeah it's a weird thing because it's like you know. You just have to be in that society, I guess, because you and I, looking on the outside, it's like I couldn't do something awful and then face those people yeah. the next day. Like it, it would just, it would eat. But me yeah, up. If they, yeah, if they didn't know it was me, maybe. No, yeah, I still I, couldn't. I, I, yeah, I know. Like I still. <laughs> I mean, I'm the kind of person where even if I was like, man, that person really pissed me off today. Come purge night, I'm gonna key his car. Yeah. And then the next day, I'd be like, fuck, I wrecked your car. Yeah, I'm such a I know. Fucking asshole. 
So, yeah, I, I am not built for the purge. No, me neither. I am built for a cabin in the woods somewhere yes. to hide out. <laughs> me too. Yeah. So All that right. is the purge. The end. Yeah. So now that we're done talking about scary times, um, another annual event is Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Groundhog Day, yeah. not Groundhog's Day. Yes. I had to remind myself that a hundred times this is week. Is that what the actual day is called as well? Groundhog Day? Um, That's a great question. Let's mm-hmm. consult the Google. I'll race you. Anyway, the movie is definitely called Groundhog Day, and yes. I have always, always thought it was Groundhog's Day. Oh, yeah. Groundhog the Day. The National Day on February... Second is Groundhog Day. Oh, I always. It's also Ukulele Day. Wow, it is also Shakira's birthday. Well, it's also my dad's birthday. What an amazing day! My dad, my favorite groundhog. I picked the movie Groundhog Day for you, and um, it was a bit of a different pick for me because it's not one I'm super familiar with. I've seen it ages and ages ago. Mm -hmm. Um. It's a 20-year difference from... it's. It was made in 1993, oh. and your movie was 2013, yeah. so it was, like, exactly 20 years. Yeah. Is that 20, or is that yeah. 30? Er, yeah. Math is hard! Yeah. Anyway, did you know anything about Groundhog Day before you watched this? <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I had a pretty good idea of, you know, a person that uh, was kind of stuck in this, like, time loop, where it just kept on being Groundhog Day. It's, uh... It's pretty well worn into pop yeah. culture yeah. about this movie. So yeah. yeah, so I didn't really know like a lot of like ins and outs. I don't even know if I knew that he was a weatherman, mm. but I knew it was like Bill Murray. He gets stuck on February second and he can't make it out. He just he's his being February typical 2nd. curmudgeon. Yeah, like I, I wrote, he's Bill I wrote, Murray playing Bill Murray. I literally wrote that later in my notes. I was like, Bill Murray plays Bill Murray. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, it was released in nineteen ninety three, directed by Harold Ramis, mm-hmm. and written by Harold Ramis. Ramis and Danny Rubin. Um, and so Bill Murray's obviously worked with Harold Ramis yeah. in the past in Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. which uh, Harold Ramis wrote or co-wrote and acted in yeah. uh, both Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Um, it stars Bill Murray, obviously, Andy McDowell and Chris Elliott. Um, Chris Elliott is just, you know, he's one of those, that guy's in everything, but he's I couldn't the tell you. Shit's Creek. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it had a budget of fourteen point six million, and it grossed a hundred and five million, and that was in ninety three. Like yeah. it was, it was a bona fide success yes. right when it came yes. out. Yeah, um, it is considered one of the greatest films of the nineties. Oh, okay. It has ninety seven percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, wow. with an eight point. Or sorry, with an 88 audience score. And Metacritic is a 72 Metascore and an 8.5 user. Okay. The reviews were pretty um, consistent across yeah. the board. Um, and I will read you a couple highlights. So the kind of critic consensus... Is It's smart, sweet, and inventive. Groundhog Day highlights Murray's dramatic gifts while still leaving plenty of room for laughs. Hmm. The Guardian called it uh, 
Groundhog Day, the perfect comedy forever. Oh, wow. So, like, it, the critics loved, loved it. it. To the point where um, Uncle Raj, uh-huh. this is the first four star I've seen wow. him give. Yeah, he gave it four stars. And I'm going to read you his review yeah. and, like, buckle in. Okay. Groundhog Day is a film that finds its note and purpose so precisely that its genius may not be immediately noticeable. It unfolds so inevitably, it is so entertaining, so apparently effortless, that you have to stand back and slap yourself before you see how good it really is. Wow. Like... Uncle Raj. Uncle Raj was... Hide that groundhog boner you got there. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, Okay. I have pages of facts. I can see how you probably would. It this is such a like pop culture staple and such a um people have big thoughts and feelings and stuff about it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and it's got it's got such like a a story to it that um I have an obnoxious amount of <laughs> facts but i'm just gonna give you a couple right now okay and then the rest if they don't come up i'm just gonna read a list at the end and everybody can just check out and go to sleep (laughs) um so the thing that i found really interesting about it was like how long was he actually yeah in this loop yeah and there are estimates from like a thousand years to a couple years, um, the kind of confirmed, unconfirmed, mm-hmm. um, is either 10 years or 30 to 40 years. Okay. Um, and the, so the 10 years is what Harold Ramis initially mm. said, mm-hmm. but then he kind of contradicted himself and said that, um, Phil learns to do a couple things, like, perfectly ice sculpt, Mm -hmm. play the piano, whatever, and going by the, like, 10,000 hours, hours, and accounting for some lost years from just, like, fucking around, that that would actually probably be more like 30 to 40 years for him to have mastered those things. Um, It is loosely based on a Buddhist doctrine. Harold Ramis uh, is Jewish by birth, Mm -hmm. but his wife is Buddhist and he took on some of her. So a lot of the, if I get into all of my facts, I will just say anybody who is interested in any of this stuff, Google is free. Um, There's just not enough time for me to go into the details of like what parts of it, why is it Buddhist and all that. So there are many different spiritual interpretations, Mm -hmm. but Ramis denies that there was any intention to any of it. He just, he and Danny, whatever, Danny Rubin, Mm -hmm. Um, just really thought of it as an interesting perspective to tell yeah. a story from, yeah. but people have just interpreted it every way from Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So. so that's all I'll tell you right now. So why don't you tell me the plot? Okay. So uh, we start out on uh, the 1st of uh, February, where you see Phil Connors is a weatherman at a Pittsburgh uh, TV station, and they always send him out to Punxsutawney every year to see the the uh, groundhog, to see if Punxsutawney Phil will see his shadow or not. And and Phil Connors is always just like, this is like so beneath me. Like I am meant to be like you know an anchor on you know Dateline or something, or like on the big NBC circuit. Like I shouldn't be covering 
friggin' Groundhog Day or Punxsutawney. Yeah, exactly. So he kind of has a bit of a chip on his shoulder, but he has this new uh, producer that's going to go to uh, to Punxsutawney with him, and that's Andy McDowell. And so he kind of like, as soon Ooh. as he sees her, he's like, who's that lady? I love her. And I'm just going to interrupt and say, and it's also Andy McDowell playing Andy McDowell. Oh, yeah. yeah this is every oh, role that I've right? ever seen her okay. in is this kind of sweet, charming, naive southern woman with... Yeah, her hair's always the same. She's just, I mean, I'm sure she's got a broader range than that, but everything I've seen her yeah. in is is this character. Mm, okay. So they uh, they do their little uh, Groundhog Day coverage, which, honestly, if I was Phil Connors, I'd be mad too, because they do like 30 seconds of coverage, and then it's like, cut, we're done, and it's like... Yeah, they traveled all like, this way Damn, for... that's a lot. So then um, they're like, yeah, let's just like, you know hang out at the at the bar like at the hotel bar or whatever until it's time to leave so he there's kind of this news like oh there's gonna be a blizzard there's gonna be a blizzard and he's like no i'm the weatherman i know there's no blizzard and they're on their way back to pittsburgh and there's a blizzard and the road is closed so it's like you gotta turn around and go back to punxsutawney and just gotta like wait it out because you can't get through to to uh pittsburgh now so he goes to sleep in his in his bed and breakfast, and he gets up in the morning, and he's like getting ready to go, and kind of like everything keeps happening that he, that already happened yesterday. Like he has the same conversations, he has the same like interactions, and he's like, "What is going on?" And then the next day, it happens like again, crazy and he's pills. like, "Yeah, he's like, what the hell is happening?" And then kind of like as it goes on and on, he can start like kind of predicting things like, I know you're going to say this. I know you're going to say that. And then he get, realizes he gets stuck in this loop of like, it's always February 2nd and February 2nd just like never ends. And so then he kind of, he uses it a little bit to kind of womanize a few people because <laughs> he kind of like figures out their, uh, he figures out like, oh, you like this and you like this. Well, like be back tomorrow to use yeah. that information on you. But eventually it turns to using that on Andy McDowell and using kind of like basically going on like a million first dates with her so he can kind of like get everything just right so he comes off as the perfect guy to her. And um, in the end, after like some fights or whatnot, he kind of like kind of like puts down like his his facade and he's like, okay, like this is just who I am and I really love you. And that's what snaps him out of the out of the time loop and then they wake up on February 3rd and she's still there with him and he's like oh literally today is like the the first day of the rest of our lives and then they go back to Pittsburgh where I'm sure they don't have a really awkward romance office romance <laughs> it's totally fine from there on out totally yeah not lopsided at all no 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 it's fine it's fine <laughs> so through the film we see Bill Murray go through some phases of, um, you know, trying to use the time to develop himself and then just being bitter and angry. And, like, honestly, who could blame oh, him? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but according to Harold Ramis, most of the time when he tried to explain a scene to Bill Murray, Murray would just interrupt and ask, just tell me, good Phil or bad Phil? <laughs> um, and apparently he was... Um, Bill Murray was undergoing a divorce at the time of filming and he was like obsessing about the film. It was like what he put his that uh, anxious energy yeah, into. Yeah, yeah. 
And he would call Harold Ramis constantly, often in the early hours of the morning. So Ramis eventually sent screenwriter Danny Rubin to sit with Murray and iron out all of his anxieties. And it's actually one of the reasons that Murray and Ramis didn't speak for like years really? after. Really? Oh, well, I, I knew they kind of had like a falling out yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, it was just over like huh. Murray's. And I mean, I've heard that about Bill Murray too, that he, he can he be a little bit... a very difficult person. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not just a character. It's, yeah, no, know, no. Art imitating life imitating art. Yes, maybe. yes. Uh, all right, so why don't you tell me what you thought of it? I'm really, really curious, actually, to hear. This is such a, like, uh, pop culture darling, and there are some things that I have opinions on, and I'm curious okay. to see if you have some of the same okay. ones. Okay, well, let me tell you. Um, so my very first note was, like, reading the credits, and I'm like, a Harold Ramis film! Like, it's Egon! He's back! <laughs> yeah. So, I do love uh, Ghostbusters, so I was yes. excited to see, like, oh, okay, I can kind of see, like, maybe the kind of, like, humor or the kind of style that I'm in for when it's, like, Bill Murray and then Harold Ramis, who does play, he has, like, a, a little scene in this movie, Harold yeah. Ramis does, so, yeah. Um, so then, So then we just keeping up with the trend is another Philadelphia or not Philadelphia. It's another Pennsylvania. Oh movie. yeah. Yeah. I never even thought of that. Because for a second I was like, oh, are they in Philadelphia? Ah, oh, no, they're in the other one. They're in <laughs> Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're heading out to uh, Punxsutawney and I have such a weird, like, I know like Punxsutawney is a thing and that's where the, where the groundhog is. But even before I knew that like Punxsutawney Phil was a thing, there was like a special, like a one hour thing that was on MTV Canada in like the early 2000s. Oh my. This is such a core memory for me. Like <laughs> every, every like Groundhog's Day, I think of this. And it, and it's just because you always see things at, Punk, at Punxsutawney that, but this had nothing to do with Groundhog's Day. But they, for some reason, I don't know like who thought this up. But they took the band Good Charlotte at, like, the height of their, like, first album. Like when I they're... loved me some Good Charlotte. Oh, dude, this summer, I've been listening to a lot of Good Charlotte in my car. So <laughs> so maybe that's why this, this is, is, like... This is the end. This is... Maybe that's why, like, this is on, like, the tip of my brain right now. But it was, like, at the height of their, like, Liberty Spikes and, like, Eyeliner yeah. kind of thing. And they sent the punks to punks a Tony. <laughs> and just to kind of, like... The simple life, you know, like what's it like, like that working at the corner store or whatever. Is amazing. And they just kind of had like a, like a day or a weekend, just kind of seeing what life was like in Punxsutawney. And I like I can like think of it so clearly, like that kind of like the last thing they had this sort of like Norman Rockwell esque like narrated through the whole thing. And, That's and so then funny. At the very end, he was like, "And that was the time that punk came to Punxsutawney." <laughs> And it just like that's that amazing. Always in my brain, and so then when this came up, I was like, Punxsutawney. Um, okay, I'm going to give you a couple Punxsutawney yeah. facts while we're at it. So the film was not actually filmed in Punxsutawney, Aww. Pennsylvania, but actually in Woodstock, Illinois, just 50 miles from Bill's hometown of Willamette. Um, there's actually a small plaque that reads, "Bill Murray stepped here on the curb where he kept stepping in oh, the puddle." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and there's another plaque on the building wall at the corner that says Ned's Corner, where mm. Phil um, was continually accosted by yeah, Ned Ryerson. Yeah. Ned! Ned Ryerson! Yeah. Needle um, knows Ned. <laughs> during the Ned scene, there's a sign for Woodstock Jewelers, clearly oh, visible. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally missed that. Uh, and then, Woodstock is such an ubiquitous thing, though. You could just think, like, oh, that was opened by hippies in the 60s. Exactly, yeah. yeah. 
In the 1880s, some friends in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, went into the woods on Candlemas Day to look for groundhogs. This outing became a tradition, and local newspaper editor nicknamed the Seekers the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club, starting in 1887. The search became an official event centered on a groundhog called Punxsutawney Phil, and the ceremony still oh. takes place every year. So that oh. is the genesis of it. Okay. And I often wondered, like, why is Groundhog's Day a thing? Like, where, where did that come from or whatever? But that's cool. Um, so it, I was far too far into this movie until I realized, Phil, his name is Phil. Yeah. yeah. And it's Groundhog's Day and he's in Punxsutawney. Mm-hmm. Phil Connors. Yeah. Phil and Punxsutawney Phil. Yeah. It, like, you would think that like the first time they got there or like maybe like the first time they like brought out the ground tongue i'd be like oh yeah they no, never they never that. outwardly acknowledge that though it's never like a oh you've got the same name like okay. you can see like yeah 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 andy mcdowell's character making yeah, something that yeah. but yeah it's i don't think it's ever acknowledged i could be wrong yeah that, but, but I no know. yeah I, I definitely didn't see that and then it was like way later i was like oh yeah he's like punks <laughs> tony phil um so the the B and B that they get him to stay in because he's not going to stay at the hotel with yeah with his uh, producer and camera guy because that's so beneath him is the cutest little B and B. It's ever. adorable. I would like to stay at that B and B very much, please. Thank you. It was filmed in a real house, and the only Aww. time the crew actually went in was just to um, turn off or on certain lamps to get the right lighting that they needed. Oh, so yeah? it was just uh, Bill Murray in a camera. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, just in a just. In a random house in I town. I really like that. That's sweet. Um, so one thing that I noticed that I clocked, like, right away was when he's, uh, the first Groundhog's Day, when he's, like, leaving his room when he's going downstairs and he, like, runs into that guy who's like, hey, are you going yeah. to see the thing? Do you know who that is? No, he was familiar, but I... Really bit part that probably no one, like, remembers, the fake Santa in... Uh, home Alone, when Kevin goes oh. there to be like, hey, I know you're not the real Santa, but can you please send him a message? That's who that is. Yeah. Never in a million years would I have I don't know them. why that stuck out to me, but it's just, as soon as I'm, I was like, it's Santa. So, yeah. And then I had to look it up. I was like, it's Santa, is right? Is it really? And then I looked it up, and I was like, that's literally like, like, he's been a bunch of other things, but it's just like, guy number four at bar or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, but as soon as I saw that, I was like, hey, it's Santa. So, but then he's he's down in the, um, in sort of like the, the eating, you know, the dining room. Yeah. The eating place. <laughs> the food hole. Um, <laughs> so he's down in the dining room and the, the little like lady that owns it, who's just like this sweet yeah. lady. And uh, she's like, can I get you a coffee? And he's like, can I get espresso or cappuccino? It's like, calm down. And, yeah. Like, go fuck yourself. Room. Like there's clearly like one of those like big like coffee things there like you're not getting espresso or cappuccino yeah probably anywhere in the city of punxsutawney in 1992 or whenever it is like seriously yeah exactly yeah and so he's like can i get an espresso or a cappuccino and the lady's just like oh um well and i was like i'm not usually a person to like get on someone's case about like not acting well but that was like a bad when she was just like oh um well and it's like <laughs> come on lady do do that uh, do that one again. Um, so one thing that really like surprised me, and this I think this has come up in like a few other movies from like 
you know, olden, not olden times, but you know, like, (laughs) but you know, like that are like older than right now or whatever, is you look at people, like I kind of did the math of Ned and Phil and I noticed it more with Ned when I like did the math of kind of like when this came out and how old like the actor is. Mm. Ned is basically our age and he looks like an old man. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's because we're old. I know, I'm not. I'm not an old man, I swear. But you know, just like, like the overcoat and like the hat. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like he probably had those like rubber like slip on things on yeah, his shoes, probably. you know? And it's just um, like, like it's just so, like, just like dowdy or like, I don't know. There's, there's something about it where there's, it's like, you know, there's a real specific style too that I noted to myself watching this with with Bill Murray's coat and his suit and stuff. Mm-hmm. There was this real trend of like these oversized kind of flowy suits on men in the early 90s. Yeah. Like there's yeah. a lot of the the rom-coms that um that I've had you watch or that yeah. are on the list that that they have similar kind of styles. I can picture Tom Hanks in yep. some movies mm-hmm. in clothes like that. Yep. Who coincidentally, yep. was considered for this role. Well, see, a lot, there was a handful of other... It would be um, a very different movie if Tom yeah, Hanks did it. Um, all of the others were deemed too nice mm, Yeah, um, for the role. Yeah, you so, kind of need a jerk for this role. Yeah. yeah, But yeah, it just, it like really struck me as like the way like they dressed and stuff where it's like, like you look like like someone's dad. And yes. I understand that like, you know, people our age are someone's dad. But I feel like even someone's like whole dad, adult person's dad. Whole ass yes. But I feel like, you know, like dudes who are in their early forties now, they don't look like that. Yeah. You know? And I know we've seen like there was I think I told you about there was like this kind of like magazine spread from the sixties where there were all these women who were thirty seven and they looked like they were like what we would call sixty seven yes. now. And yeah. it's like I don't like. I'm not a hundred percent sure like what we're doing differently. I don't maybe know. just it's our the like, hair. stubborn refusal to <clears throat> age ever <clears throat> at me. all. But I saw a uh, a TikTok, Ooh. of course, um, of a <laughs> woman who took uh, one of those shots like that. There yeah. was a magazine cover of all these um, women that were in their thirties, yeah. and they looked like they were in their sixties. Yeah. And she photoshopped modern hairstyles onto yeah. them. Didn't change the makeup or anything, just the hairstyles, yeah. and it was really? night and day. Oh, interesting. It was, yeah, it is interesting. Huh. So I did find here. Okay. Oh, so Harold Ramis also considered Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and John Travolta for the role, but again, all of them were far too nice compared oh, to Bill I Murray. I see, like, Steve Martin or Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase is not far too nice. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, uh, Apparently I just shit on Chevy Chase. Well, That's... I mean, someone has to. Um, I couldn't see John Travolta in that. No, I couldn't either. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely couldn't see Tom Hanks. No, definitely not. He's uh. definitely too nice. There was a video just recently that came out, like, last week. Of whatever. him, like, screaming at the paparazzi. Yeah, he was like, I was like, the fuck up or whatever. And it's like, you know you fucked up when, when Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks is yelling at you. swears at yes. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, they've tripped his wife. Yeah. And, like, yeah. They deserved it. I was like totally yeah like absolutely like you don't need to follow her that fucking close like you know get your couple of pictures and then fuck off yeah and you know tom hanks is known as like one of the nicest guys in hollywood it's almost good to see him blow up like that and show like like 
there it, are it boundaries. Almost, it almost makes it seem like that's like a more legit thing. Like, yeah, yeah, you are being out of line when even like the nicest guy. Yeah, is exactly. You yeah, to that's the, fuck the point off. I was yeah, trying to yeah. make. But so this is all as as Phil is kind of on his way to see Punxsutawney Phil and to do his little segment where he bumps into Ned and Ned's like hey, we knew each other from school. Yeah. And Phil's just like, get the fuck away from me. Yeah, just, who like, are you? I don't know you. Yeah. And then he, uh, f- not falls, but he like steps in that really deep puddle and he gets all wet and Ned just like fucking laughs at him and it's like, yeah, you're an asshole. That's why no one remembers you. Yeah, exactly. But so they get to like the little park where they're having the ceremony and I think it's the little park or the neighborhood or something that's called Gobbler's, Gobbler's Knob. Knob. I love that. That's uh, um, actually in my facts here somewhere too. Is just uh, just that it's called Gobbler's Knob. I fucking is that, is love that. Is that like a real place? I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. Why? Why would you call it Gobbler? Just why? The so just don't call it anything else. Well, I will absentmindedly scroll while you keep talking, call and it, if like, I come across it, park. I don't know. It doesn't have to be called Gobbler's Knob. Um, I actually wrote, Gobbler's Knob? Am I just a 12-year-old? I know. I was like, <laughs> Gobbler's Knob? I hardly know her. <laughs> um, I love how, like, dressed up the, like, city officials are. And I feel like yes. I've seen pictures where they actually do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they actually, like, go all all out with, like, their top hats and their boutonnieres and stuff. And it's like, wow, nothing's too good for our Phil. Um... The groundhog ceremony is depicted as occurring in the center of town. Gobbler's Knob, where the ceremony takes place in real life, is a rural wooded area about two miles outside of Punxsutawney. So yes, Gobbler's Knob is a real place and it is where the ceremony takes place. But why? Why is it called Gobbler's Knob? That I don't know. I can tell you it's real. I cannot tell you why. Oh, I still have questions. (laughs) Um, And then... So they do they do their little segment and they pull out the the groundhog and it's like oh it sounds like he saw his shadow so six more weeks of winter and Phil even kind of alludes to this um, Phil Connors not Punks to Tony Phil <laughs> um, he alludes to the fact that like yeah it's February second like six weeks means spring will start on on March twenty first like that's when spring starts so you know yeah it's the same but I always laugh here when we have. And it's like, oh, it's, it's uh, you know, February 2nd, and it looks like we're going to have six more weeks of, of winter. And it's like, no, we're going to have we would 12 have six more, more weeks of weeks, winter. Right? Yeah. yeah. I was very depressed. Even on a good year. Yeah. I was very, de- I was like, decided to like depress myself the other day. And it's like, you know, in as early as three months, there could be snow on the ground here. Shut your trap. And then I almost threw myself off that balcony. Yeah. I will throw but you off of it. But I stopped myself from doing it because I figured, oh, that probably wouldn't kill me. So then I just Yeah, you're not high enough. And also, we need to go to the UK yeah. in August. So wait till after, please. Till we come back to snow on the ground. <laughs> right. Shut up. I know. I know. It's, it's such a short, short summer. But yeah, I always laugh when we hear uh, Groundhog's Day. It's yeah. like, oh, we, we could have, you know, winter will be over or we'll have six more weeks. And it's like... I would love to have six more weeks of winter on February 2nd. Yep. That would be, that would be amazing. I guess, I mean, that might be a thing in, like, Vancouver. Yeah. You know, because... Yeah. But in Saskatchewan... Yeah. Yeah. No. There's just snow on the ground There might the be time. six more months of winter. Because God hates us. 
Um, but then when they when they finally like they finish all their all their taping and the festivities are over and they're on their way back to Pittsburgh, and that's when they kind of see this big traffic jam to kind of go through a, a tunnel under the bridge or whatever, and it's like, oh, what's going on? And it's like, well, there's a blizzard going on, and you know, all the traffic is backed up, and it's, you know, you can't get into Pittsburgh. You have to like turn around and go home. And, and Phil's like, no, like, just get me out of Punxsutawney. Like, I have to go back. Like, I hate being out here. I don't want to be here. And so then there, he's like, you can drive through that. Like, just keep going. And, like, traffic is at, like, a standstill. Yeah. Like, no one is moving anywhere. And he just, like, leans over and starts, like, honking the horn. And it's like, is that going to make it stop snowing? Like, what do you I know. I said that out loud. Todd was watching this with me. And, uh, well, he was kind of in and out. But he was there for that scene. And, I, and he's like, why are you honking? And I said, I know, like... If people could move, they would. Yeah. Even, like, like here, you know, when it's, like, not a blizzard or when it's just, like, you know, lots of traffic or whatever and people are just, like, honking their horn, it's, like, you're, like, ten fucking people back and yeah. we're just, like, stopped. Like, I just typically, honking your horn is not going to do anything. Yeah. I, I typically hate any use of the horn other than, like, directly to avoid an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're alerting somebody that they're about to hit you or something. Yeah. Fine, use yes. it. But just to say, I don't like that thing that you did that right? affected nobody. Yeah. Like, get over yourself. Although, okay. now that I think of that, they are in Pennsylvania. So maybe lots of people are near um, Philadelphia. Those motherfuckers don't know how to drive without honking their horn. <laughs> it was insane. Just as a, as a pedestrian in Philadelphia, it's like, stop honking your horn. <laughs> so maybe... That would drive me nuts. I legitimately think people in Philadelphia would honk their horn at a blizzard. Yeah. Get out of my way, Snow. Legitimately, yeah. So, I mean, now that I've said that out loud, it's like, well, that's probably why they're doing it. We kind of, like, we're, like, we're seeing, we're on, like, Groundhog's Day number, like, three or four now, this kind of. And then I notice, I'm kind of starting to, like, noticing people in the crowd. And it's like, is the National Guard at this? Because there's, like, more than one army dude there. Yeah. And it's like, we got to keep back this crowd. And we are the personal bodyguards, for Punxsutawney Phil. <laughs> it's very official. It is, yes. Phil's kind of getting into a, kind of a, a, a routine or whatever. It's like, well, I'll go to bed and we'll see what happens tomorrow. And he's kind of like starting to kind of put pieces together. Yeah. And they show one part where he goes to bed. And like the clock is always like very like visible. Yes. You kind of see like what time it is and like what's going on. And there's one part where he's like turning out the light to go to bed and it's like your clock says four o'clock. Are you going to bed at four o'clock in the afternoon? Or are you going to bed at four o'clock in the morning? I think it probably doesn't matter. But it was just weird because like well at that point like you know your alarm's gonna go off at six so like either don't bother or go do something if it's four <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. Come on buddy. Um, so the clock is actually a prop clock, and it was designed to flip back and forth between 5.59 and 6 o'clock. Oh. Um, and the alarm goes off and plays the clock, exa- or plays exactly when the clock flips to 6. Yeah. With a real flip alarm, it can go off randomly, like, around the time mm. that it's been set yeah. to. Um, and when you, apparently, when you look at the clock on the third day, you can see the white curved shapes of the bottoms of the numbers of the previous minute panel. Oh, Cool. So he finally, he's like, listen, I think I got to do something here. Because, like, maybe I'm going crazy? Because this doesn't seem to be helping to uh, happening to anyone else? Yeah. Like, what is... Maybe I got to see a doctor. 
So he gets into a GP and a psychiatrist in the same day. Yeah, I had that exact thought. Who's your HMO? Come on, this is this is a lot. Especially you got into a psychiatrist on the same day. I guess I'm gonna move to Punxsutawney. (laughs) I will bring punk back to Punxsutawney. (laughs) You know, and like in our world, there isn't a psychiatrist in Punxsutawney. Like, very true. Yes, absolutely. You would have to travel. Yes. Way out of town. Yeah. Um, and he says to to the psychiatrist, like, what would you do if you were stuck in one place day after day? And I was like, what, like COVID? Right. I'm there. I've actually heard a lot of references to yes to being in COVID, like being stuck. In Groundhog Day. Yeah, I have too, for sure. Um, So then we kind of start to see, like, all these different sort of, like, not montages, but, like, here's a thing where, like, he's going to do this for, like, this Groundhog Day. He's going to do this for this Groundhog's Day. So he hates people in general. He especially hates, like, townies or, like, hicks. Yeah. And he hangs out with these two dudes, like, one night. drunks. Yeah, these two drunks. And he's just, like... Like, it's not just, like, oh, I guess I'll, like, stay here and, like, drink at the bar with you for a while. But then he, like, leaves. He gets in their truck and they just, like, go nuts. They're like, let's go get pancakes. And it's like, that seems like a drunk idea. I want pancakes. Right? Right now. now. We just finished dinner, but I also want pancakes. Yes. I never don't want pancakes. I always want pancakes. This is the second episode in a row that we've talked about pancakes. (laughs) We love pancakes. I mean, welcome that tracks. You know, this is our pancake podcast. This is pan cast pancast pancast yeah podcakes 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 that's better (laughs) (laughs) oh can you tell we've had a couple glasses of prosecco yeah um Um, can i oh can i tell you my thought on that scene yeah or are you done talking about the two Um, drunk guys no but go ahead you can interject no you go first because i don't want to step on your toes if you're so, um, so yeah, so then they're, like, driving along, and, and the, the cops kind of see them, like, driving erratically, and Phil's just like, I got nothing to lose, and this is where, like, we get into, like, some, like, scientific wonderings here. Yes. Because it's like, okay, you are pretty sure you're just gonna, like, wake up tomorrow morning and no consequences, but, like, that's not your truck you're driving. You're driving these other two people's, like, with uh, these other two people, what if they die? Did they actually that die? That is exactly what I was going to say. Is, and then he, like, drives down the train track and, and almost goes and head on. And the cop follows him. And it's like, no, the cop would never follow you. He would, like, speed up or call for backup to, like, hit you off at, yeah. like, a, at like, a crossing. And, and Phil gets off the track just in the nick of time. But we don't actually That's see right. the cop car get yeah. off the track. So, like, presumably that cop is smushed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is exactly what I was going to say. That's why I see them. I'm glad I let, I stopped myself because, um, yeah, I, I thought that a lot in the, in the whole movie was like, we know there's no consequences for you, but you don't know, like, what if, what if you wake up and you're just in an alternate timeline or something and in that timeline where you went on a joyride with these guys and smashed all this stuff up. What if they wake up to all their shit smashed? And, yeah. 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 Well, this is kind of like them when I started thinking about, like, string theory and stuff. Because, oh. <laughs> you know, just when you're, like, casually thinking about string theory, you know. But it's like, 
you know, he's, he's kind of in this multiverse where every decision he makes makes a new universe. And so it's like, you know, and I do believe in the string theory where there is a universe where you decided to come to my house for dinner and record a podcast. There's another universe where you decided to come after dinner and record a podcast. Mm. There's another universe where we decided to never make a podcast. So I don't like that one. Yeah, right? That that one sucks. Um, so then, you know, there's this kind of this idea of, like, it is possible to live forever. Because even if you die here, like, you yeah. go on in that one or whatever. But, yeah. So, like, he's kind of creating all these universes where, you know, universe eight, he gets to, like, wake up tomorrow morning. But universe seven, you know... He's still, he dies. Yeah. You know, and the cop dies and the two drunks maybe, you know, yeah, die well, or whatever. And then my other thought in that scene too was that was still really early on. He was still just figuring stuff out. And I'm like, that's a big chance to take. Yes. When you're not like, you know, a few years in and you keep waking up on the same day, then yeah. you're pretty confident that you're not having a consequence. But yeah. like, that was, that was pretty early to take that big of a risk. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it definitely had me thinking a lot about, like, sci-fi and, like, quantum physics. Yeah. And, like, I, I want, like, a sci-fi version of this movie. Yeah, like, there are, like you, there are, version of this movie. are some real big thoughts that you yeah, can have on this movie. Yeah, for sure. Like, when he, um, he finally kind of realizes, like, what the deal is. And so then he sees Ned, and there's one time where Ned comes up, and he's like, Ned Ryerson, Neil knows Ned. Bam! And just like paces yeah, right him. in the face. <laughs> his 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 penultimate second last um, interaction with Ned, where he hugs him and like is all like creepy to him, and it kind of scares Ned yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. He ad libbed that. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah. It's like, what are you doing today? Can you call off sick? Let's spend the whole day together. Yeah. <laughs> so then, this got me thinking. Um, you know, when I see him using all this intel on Nancy, who is kind of like the first woman that he puts the moves on, right. he kind of gathers all the information. And then the next day he goes, he goes back and he's like, hey, didn't we like go to high school together? You're like from so-and-so's English class. And, you know, I knew you from this or blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, did Ned do this? Like, is Ned stuck oh. in his own timeline as well? Because he kind of did the exact same thing to Phil. Like, Phil, from from this school, we did this together. Don't you remember me? Bloody blah. And <laughs> at first, Phil is like, no, who the fuck are you? And then, you know, but I feel like Ned is maybe a bit more of just like an agent of chaos where he's just like, I just want, because I just want to like, you know, send you out into the road and laugh at you when you like, you know, get your pants all wet when you fall in the puddle or whatever. You know, he wasn't I, trying to like, yeah, pick him up or whatever. But, but yeah, it just like it really. I was like, is Ned doing this? Okay, so now is Punxsutawney in some kind of weird wormhole where just like weird shit happens there? It's like a, it's like a, a location of high strangeness. So, that is a very interesting idea. I'm going but to no. disagree. <laughs> okay, because Ned doesn't change what he says to Phil. Mm-hmm. Ned's. Mm. So Phil uses his intel to then approach the person differently the next time he sees them. Mm-hmm. But Ned approaches Phil the exact same every way, every every time. So mm-hmm. it's like he's seeing him for the first time every time. But we know that Phil approaches Nancy differently. Mm. So Ned is more like an NPC, like a non-playing character. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's the free guy. 
He's the free guy? Have you seen Free Guy? No. It's it's about an NPC in a video game. Oh, cool. That becomes like sentient. There's like oh, AI wow. and it's it's it, Ryan Reynolds oh, plays okay. the the free guy. It's fairly yeah. recent and it's really good movie. Yeah. Like I really really enjoyed it. Oh, I cool. I recommend. Check it out. Is it on like a streaming thing? Um yes. Okay. I can't remember if we had to pay for it, but mm, okay. Cool. I'll have to keep that in mind. Um, so I, I love the, the wording I used. I was like, oh, he gathered intel, intel to Mac on Nancy. <laughs> yep. and, th- and then my next thing is like, oh, he's going to do this to Mac on all the ladies. Cause I say Mac all the time. Just, yeah, you know, well, just macking on them. Your nineties uh, are showing. Right. Yeah. Um, Make yeah, it so- Mac. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so then it's like, well, now you're, like, kind of, like, creepy and questionable. Because he's sleeping with all these women, too. Presumably, well, yeah. Well, I mean, you definitely see him, like, sleeping with Nancy. And so I assume he's, like, trying to get all the Punxsutawney pussy he can. <laughs> that could also be an episode of <laughs> Punxsutawney pussy. <laughs> That's on February 69. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Like I said, I'm 12. I think uh, we need a timeout. Yeah, then it's like, he becomes like a dude who like, kind of like creeps your Facebook and your Instagram before you go on a date. And it's he like very knows manipulative. And yeah, it's, it's like really gross. And that's, that is exactly what I was alluding to earlier where I'm like, are you going to think the same things that I mm, did that mm. because everybody just praises praises this movie and I haven't I mean I'm sure if I dug a little harder there would be yeah that kind of perspective too but I um I was like yeah everybody just praises how genius this movie is yeah. and I'm like oh manipulation the movie yeah yeah absolutely um you really see that when he's like when he kind of zeroes in on Andy McDowell's character whose name I've forgotten Rita. Rita, yes. Um, you know, he kind of realized, like, oh, maybe I, like, care for her more than just, you know, my next Punxsutawney pussy. Right. And so he kind of starts, like, learning more information from her. And you can see how he goes out for a drink and he says something and it kind of doesn't land. And the next day he goes out for a drink and he, like, says the right thing. And she's like, oh, imagine that. Yeah. Kind of builds from there, which I assume he's been, like, doing this for a year of his time by now. So kind of on what seems like their first date, or not even their date, just like, I hung out with my coworker and, you know, it ended up being a nice time. And he says, I love you. And she's like, okay, you're crazy. And she's like, but I've been dating you for a year now. So, like, I love you. Um, And I guess to step back to my manipulation, the movie, in Phil's defense, he only has a day mm-hmm. to woo a person. Yes, yeah. They're not going to remember the next day. So I guess use what techniques you got. I mean, you might as well like, shoot your shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. For sure. But, you know, it gets a little um, creepy because he's like, no, like, you know, come on, I really love you, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, like, I'm not going to, like, stay over tonight or I'm not going to, like, yeah. whatever, like, go away. And and I wrote, like, in big letters, like, she's saying no, Phil. Right. Like, yeah. back up now. Yeah. Yeah. You've had time to fall in love with her. 
Yeah, and she, you're still just like that weird asshole she works yeah. with. Yeah, because up until now, like, sure, maybe all day today you've been sweet and nice, but you've been an up an asshole up until now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I really, kind of just before he started to um, kind of zero in on, on Rita, I was like, I feel like I would just get bored. You know, like, I just... Oh, God. And and kind of as I wrote that, then you saw, like, the next scene where he was like, ugh, like, can anything happen to me? Like, this is crazy. Yeah. So, um, he robs the, the, um, the Brinks truck or yes, whatever yeah. by, like, two of the most inept Brinks guys right. ever. I've never seen Brinks guys like that. Like, as a person who has no desire to rob a Brinks truck, even if it were the purge. Right. I, I am, like, not... I don't even like to like walk past the Brinks guys when they're like refilling the ATM machine. I know. I'm like, I'm ATM not going to make machine. eye contact with you. Yeah. Cause it's like, I know you have a gun and I just don't want to like make any kind of sudden moves that might make you think I'm going to try and like rob this. Cause yeah. clearly I look like someone who's going to rob an ATM. Obviously with your pink so, space buns. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. So then he just kind of like wanders up and then he like takes the bag of money and then these two old guys turn back and it's like, were there one bag of money or two? And it's like. You are fired. Bare minimum that you should know is how many bags of money right? there are. Yeah. Um, since you brought up the purge again, the the um, tie-in to this that I think is kind of interesting mm. is that Danny Rubin and Harold Ramis both said that they avoided exploring the truly dark side of F- Phil's timeline, mm. time-lapsing, uh, in which he could truly do horrible things without consequence, murder, torture, yeah. etc. Absolutely. Yeah, he could really go crazy. Uh, I liked when he, I think it was the same kind of sequence when he got the, the money and then he was like, okay, like, let's, let's go big here. So he like rents a limo and then he dresses up like Clint Eastwood and they go to the movies. (laughs) I love it. That one, I just like cackled. Like I like, I like threw my head back and I was just laughing so hard. There were lots of parts in this movie where I just like, was like laughing so hard they're definitely yeah definitely overall it's a funny movie yeah, and it's, yeah. it's got some interesting thoughts and stuff but yeah. um yeah it, there are just those like if you think about it too hard those ick yeah, factors right? yeah yeah for sure um so i was deciding then at this point like you know while i was also thinking of string theory i was like there has to be a way to trip this loop like there has to be something yeah. that he can do and that's why when, you know, you think of, like, Ned being, like, an NPC. Like, NPCs don't do anything until you, like, say kind of, like, the magic word to them. Mm. It's, like, so somewhere he has to say, like, a magic word or he has to, like, do one thing to, like, get out of this. Because yeah. he got into it. There has to be a way to get out of it. Um, and then, you know, It was to on, find the true meaning of the, Christmas. That's right. Yeah. And then it, then he was stuck there for, like, another whole year until Christmas came <laughs> around. And then, and then it happened. But, uh... That's Scrooge we're talking about. That's a different Bill Murray movie. Oh, right. Damn. Come on now. It's another movie where Bill Murray played Bill Murray. <laughs> yes. And then he actually did play Bill Murray in a movie, he, in a Zombieland. Yes. But I would not recommend watching that. I have watched it. Have you? And the sequel. Oh, I haven't seen the double tap. I've just seen uh, the first one and I don't need to see it again. <laughs> I don't like Zomcom. Um... <laughs> Oh, I didn't realize that was laughworthy. That's a real thing, Zomcoms. That was almost a spit take. <laughs> um, so, the mayor, I love the mayor, um, yeah. Bill Murray's brother. Yes, yeah. Um, he's just, 
he is just like so he's like a perfect like small town mayor yes he is like so wrapped up in like this like groundhog's day thing where they one of the times when they leave nobbler's gob nope <laughs> God, that almost sounds grosser <laughs> Gobbler's knob. And they're putting Phil the groundhog, like, back in his little cage and, like, you know, putting him in the truck or whatever. And the mayor is there, like, looking at him, like, oh, look at this little guy. And we had such a good groundhog's day. And then he said to, like, the handler or whatever, like, hey, he smiled at me. Did you see that? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, man. (laughs) And this is when Phil steals the truck and he's, like, just trying to, like, he's, like, trying anything at this point to get out of of this cycle. And so he's got... It's Phil Connors and then Punxsutawney Phil, like, driving in this truck and, like, trying to get away. And he's got Punxsutawney Phil on his lap and his little paws are yes. up on the on the steering wheel and they're driving. And it's like, I love it. It's so cute. So while filming that scene, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Murray spontaneously improvised the line, don't drive angry, don't drive angry, yeah. to cover up the fact that the dra- groundhog, which was on his lap, yeah. was agitated and trying to escape by climbing over the steering wheel. And a moment later, the groundhog bit Murray's hand so badly he had to seek medical treatment. Oh, no! Uh, and apparently this line inspired the title for Nicolas Cage's movie, uh, Drive Angry, in 2011. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, he, Bill Murray got bit twice by the groundhog so <gasps> oh, hard no. that he had to get, like, rabies shots. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, I was watching it and I was like, is that a real groundhog or is this oh, like yeah. an animatronic, animatronic, like, Caddyshack kind of thing? No. But, oh, well, uh, like yeah, it. it was a real one. And in fact, there is a... <gasps> Uh, Caddyshack fun fact too. Caddyshack fun fact. (laughs) Essentially it was um, that instead of kidnapping him originally Bill Murray was supposed to try and hunt him down in his lair but then they thought that that was too similar to Caddyshack so they changed the So then as kind of a reference to one of our other movies we've talked about um, Phil and Phil become Thelma and Louise and they just go right right over the cliff there. Um... And then we see, we kind of like go into a montage of like, Phil gets really desperate and he wants to get out of this cycle. And so we just see him like kill himself a bunch of times. Over and And over. And it's like, ooh, like this is, this is dark now for like a, for a comedy. Yes. Wow. So when Phil's trying, you know, comes clean to read it and he's trying to explain what happens, um, he says, I've been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, and so on. Those were all methods used by the assassins of um Rasputin. Oh yes, that's right. With the exception of electrocution. Yeah. But they weren't seen done to Phil. Mm. Uh, this could also be a reference to Ghostbusters, in which similar methods are named as the cause of Vigo the Carpathian's death. Aw, Vigo. <laughs> I like I liked Vigo. Yeah. Ghostbusters is so good. I just love it. Me too. So I even good. like the second one. And I know yeah, it's oh yeah. it's yeah, the second one is is fun. I like it. It's quite. It, it apparently it was laughed at. Oh, a lot really? At the time, but oh no, I like the second one. <laughs> I like the pink ooze. Oh, yeah, the like everything about that is good. I like it. Okay, good. Yeah, and I ooh, also like the take. one. I like Lady Ghostbuster. Yeah, uh, woke cul- woke culture gone awry. Everything has to have women in it now. God, <clears throat> everything but my kitchen. Fuck. Anyway. <laughs> um, 
so then I then I started I kind of like started thinking again like how does the time reset start like do people just disappear at six like it kind of goes back to this now like well did these guys die or whatever like yeah because we see where rita stays overnight with phil and she's like kind of like sticking around till midnight to yeah. kind of see what happens and she's like oh you're still here and he's like it doesn't happen right at midnight i never said it does yeah, and it's, it's like six but when does like does it happen at like five fifty nine then like and then what happened like are there I know, a whole yeah. bunch of like universes now where it's like remember when that guy fucking disappeared in front of us at, like <laughs> five o'clock in the morning that's fucking weird like yeah I have I have some weird like sci fi nerd questions that aren't getting answered mm-hmm. here. so um. But I, I did, we talked a minute ago about Scrooge, and I said this is very much like Scrooge or A Christmas Carol, where he has to kind of like go through these like trials to yeah. kind of learn a lesson and learn to a be a good person. person. And, and yeah. yeah, then he comes out and he's like, okay, now you can move on. You've like learned your little lesson there. Um, so kind of near the end, I think probably what is Phil's last night in the second before he can move on, there's a bachelor auction. And by this point, everyone has kind of come to love Phil because, you know, he's, he's done everything yeah. and, you know, he can play piano and he's, he can Saved a bunch of people's lives. Yes. Yeah. yeah he just, he's done everything. And so everyone at this, at this place, like, knows him. They're like, oh, hey, it's, it's that guy. It's, you know, good guy Phil. <laughs> so then they have this bachelor auction and he, uh, Rita, like, spends all the money in her wallet to, to win him or whatever. Yeah. And then I love how the next person, um, the camera guy... He's like, I'm next. It's like, man, they must like, like everyone from our, like, you know, everyone from our station. Maybe. Yeah. So he shows up and he kind of like holds out his arms and he does this little like turnaround. Like, yeah, what do you think? And then one of the old ladies is like 25 cents. And it's like sold 25 cents. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah. So then we see how, um, you know, he kind of like really shows himself to Rita and she kind of sees him for who he is and then they they go to bed and they wake up on February 3rd and, mm-hmm. and I think uh, Phil even says like you're still here and she's like I'm still here and then they kind of they go off to to have sort of the rest of their lives yeah. and not a really awkward see you on Monday kind of thing. <laughs> um, I loved all the like in the B&B and then in this kind of like whatever wherever the uh um the bachelor auction was held like at the elks lodge or you know yeah. kind of whatever it is they have all these great like quilts on the wall yes. and the one where the auction is there's actually like a groundhog quilt yes yeah i, I just i loved that yeah i noticed that yeah. so cute i loved even the quilt that was on phil's bed at the bed and breakfast like just such a homey yeah little quilt. yeah it was it was so nice i really liked that um, another thing I really liked, and I noticed this in movies kind of before the early 2000s, people had real teeth. I had that exact I thought. love real teeth. Andy McDowell's teeth are not bright white. Yeah. And you know what? And not even just... I really, really thought about this a lot in this movie, actually. Not even just the real teeth, but the real everything. Kind of frizzy hair. Um... Uh, Bill Murray has kind of like acne scarred skin and it's yeah. not blurred out yes, or yeah. um, 
and and he still can be seen as like a romantic lead yeah. and yeah that doesn't happen anymore no like everything is so airbrushed and perfect yes um yeah yeah everybody has veneers and yeah <laughs> so i've fallen into a tiktok rabbit TikTok. hole are you surprised <laughs> um of this, I keep seeing this cosmetic dentist pop up, and she does veneer checks on celebrities, oh. and so it'll show like before and after, and oh, she'll say, yes. "Here's what I think they had." Have done. you seen the Tom Cruise one? No, but I know his teeth used to be. I did not know that until there's just kind of this picture that I see like floating around all the time of a picture from him from like Top Gun, I want to say, or maybe the Outsiders. No, but um, something like very young, like the, that. The Outsiders, and then I think in Days of Thunder, he still had. Oh, okay. This was a very young picture yeah. that I saw, and it was that, and then him now, and it's like, I didn't know you used to have a big old snaggle tooth. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Just people that like that was when he was maybe still Thomas Mapathor. Oh, I didn't know That's he had his real name. name. Oh well. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't know that. Yeah, but and, and then, aren't you glad you know of, more about Tom Cruise? Sure. I actually, I have, like, many things I could say about Tom Cruise right now, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, no, so the, the TikTok with the veneer check. Oh, yeah, and it is shocking to me, some of the people that she shows as, like, that's not somebody that I ever would have thought is image conscious enough mm, to, yeah. like, Andy Samberg, who's just, like, this big goofball, yeah. right? And he's got, I, I can't remember, I think his wasn't veneers, but he used to have a gap, and he's had, like like bonding to fill in the gap kind of thing but anyway yeah it's really really crazy to see and some some of these and her take is always quite realistic of like you know she'll describe their natural teeth and how like it's got a really nice shape and it fits her mouth so well here and like this tooth has this kind of a curve and like she was really descriptive Mm. about what their natural teeth looked like yeah and um and so many of them that it's just, like, it's taken all personality out of your yes, face. Yes, everyone just looks so, like, um, like, just sanitized. Yeah, just, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, the, the, the tooth thing I really noticed, I think it's maybe just because I'm, like, really self-conscious about my teeth or mm. whatever. Your but, teeth are adorable. Oh, I, I think I have, like, awful teeth. No. Oh, I think they're, like, really, like, off-white, like, oh, like in a bad way. yellow AF. And, but. yeah, and then I have this, like like discoloration like a like a white spot on one of my teeth and i'm like missing two teeth and i just don't think I well you can't see that you're missing two teeth but i think i have to like smile like really big if i can do it but yeah Yeah, i I don't know anytime i look at them it's just like "Mm, (laughs) i think we all are though i'm very self-conscious about my teeth too i'm all like when i smile it's all gums and i yeah oh i definitely like if i smile like really big it's like yeah "Eh, do you like my gums because that's all you can see yeah um but yeah like you had mentioned before too and i also have this as a note um with uh with Bill Murray's, uh, like his, his complexion, like his yeah. pockmarks, his, uh, which he's, he's always had. Yeah. Like, and it surprises me at like how much you see him in movies in, in the eighties and how much of like a leading man yeah. he was. And like, he's not like, he's not hot, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like even, I don't think like Tom Hanks is hot, but he's more like that convent. He looks he's like handsome. a leading man. Yes. Yeah. Whereas, um, like, Bill Murray has a face for comedy. You know? Yeah, like, He yeah. looks like a comedian. Um, but yeah, even, like, you know, he gets the girl in, in Ghostbusters. Yeah. And um, and there's... And that's great. Like yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Like, to say he has a face for comedy or whatever, that's not... That's not a critique mm-hmm. of his face. It's a critique of society, right? Absolutely. Like, um, 
Yeah, like, yeah, I, I love to it's see nice like, the to see average person. real people. Yes, yeah, yeah, and it's just it's amazing to see how much of a career he's had. Yeah. in such a like an image conscious society and industry that yeah. you know like there's never been a pressure to be like well like let's give you plastic surgery yes, or yeah. you know let's do this or let's do that i mean i think bill murray gives zero fucks so, absolutely. absolutely so i don't think anybody would be able to talk him into that anyway but I, yeah it doesn't feel like it's something that who knows he maybe was pressured to oh maybe just, yeah just and he was just like no fuck you like yeah. this is just what i look this like this is my and, face yeah absolutely yeah um yeah so that's kind of all my thoughts for that um uh, there, like I said, there were a lot of big laughs. Um, I, 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 this movie, like I had always known about this movie, but I just never watched it. Yeah. Um, just like kind of wasn't necessarily on my radar. So I'm glad I watched it. There was like a lot of like just big laughs and a good time. And it really had me like thinking of how I want someone to at least, and it's got to be on YouTube where like someone has remixed like the trailer to make it look like a sci-fi or like a oh, yeah. or something. Like I want to. Oh, probably. Gonna, There's everything on yeah, the internet. Yeah. I'm going to like. YouTube, they have everything on it. Um, I want to go, like, down a rabbit hole now and see yeah. if I can find something and like that. And there's, you know, even, like, I'm going to go through a whole long yeah. list of, of other facts after, but it's it's really worth just a Google on the movie in general. There's mm-hmm. there's so many interesting fan theories and mm, stuff. Like, it, there's, there's yeah. lots of rabbit holes to go down. Yeah. Yeah, so I gave this uh, seven groundhogs out of ten. Nice. Yeah. We had the same rating. Uh, um nice. It's funny, you know, we always talk about how the movies kind of can tie into each other or yeah, whatever. Yeah. The interesting tie-in to these two movies uh-huh. was that you could look at them very simply on the surface, but both of them have some, like, big themes and ideas if you... Yes, if absolutely. You, like, yeah. I mean, we've probably... T- this is probably one of our longer recordings because we've had, like, big thoughts yeah, to talk about yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's our first anniversary, so we're allowed so to talk a little bit So just listen to us. So, Shut up. Yeah, we don't it. care. Your Shut time up, means care, nothing but, yeah, to us. Stop talking. We don't like you. Stop talking. <laughs> no, we love you. We love you. We Thank love you for you. listening. Tell your friends. Both tell your you. kids. Tell your wife. <laughs> uh, okay. You ready for me to just start so rattling off? Do it. These are in no particular okay. order. Um, the German title of the movie, I'm not going to try and say the German, no, but it, it translates... Do it. do it in... Und Tachlich... Gust das Murmletter. Don't make me run. I'm full of chocolate. Ust. Um, it can be translated as the groundhog greets every day. <laughs> the title has been adapted in Germany as a humorous proverb, which is often used when something frequently repeated, something is frequently repeated, especially annoying or awkward things. So oh, it's actually become like a part of yeah. their vernacular also the swedish title of this movie which doesn't have what it is in swedish so i only have the translation so i can't try and butcher that one too uh (laughs) it translates to monday the entire week however the movie doesn't specify what day of the week (laughs) is supposed to be and in 1993 groundhog's day was on a tuesday ah that was one thing when I was like doing, looking at like my like fun facts and whatnot for the purge, and it happened last week for our movie too, which I can't even think of what last week's movie was. Sisters, sis, uh, no, mine. Ginger snaps. Ginger snaps. Yeah, um, it was like well, on this particular day, uh, the sun actually rose at this time, so that means that it oh. had to happen in this year instead of this year. It's like shut up, nerd. <laughs> uh, okay. So Danny Rubin, the creator of the... This is actually quite interesting. Okay. Um, you know, we talked about how Bill Murray and 
Harold Ramis kind of didn't agree. Um, It's interesting to see how creative differences can really fracture people. But uh, Danny Rubin, the creator of the original screenplay for Groundhog's Groundhog Day, see, I'm doing it even yeah. when I'm reading it, had mixed feelings of the final movie. He said, it's a great movie and it's made my life a lot easier in many ways. Mm-hmm. However, I quickly learned that working as a writer in Hollywood, you have to compromise in order for your work to be produced. The fact that Harold Ramis had interest and took the time to edit and polish the script so it got made, plus help with Uh, finding funding, as well as directing the movie. I'm grateful for all of that. At the same time, when I watch the movie, I see more comedy than what I intended. More of a romantic story than was ever in my script, and many of the darker elements toned down. Something feels off when you watch something that you created, and there are things that you don't remember in your vision, and now they are there. Again, I don't want to come off as ungrateful. I understand the odds of getting a movie made from a spec script are similar to winning the jackpot in the lottery, Thanks to Harold Remy's taking an interest in the script, I now live in a comfortable life yeah. uh, where money is never a worry. The movie didn't just turn out fully how I envisioned, and that's something that I'm going to have li- have to live with for the rest of my life. Interesting. So it's that's not saying that he and Harold Ramis like didn't no, get along afterwards no. or anything, but it's clearly like a. It's like it's like Harold had more like experience in his, in Hollywood, and he's like, "Here's how we get this movie made." Yeah, and and it was his vision in the end, not yeah, not yeah, Danny's. yeah. I would like to see like the original vision though, like kind of a. I, I yeah, really want to see a dark like sci-fi version of this movie. Yeah, I there probably something exists. Oh, there's probably something like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's called Happy Death Day to You, and I just haven't seen it yet. It's a horror film. I could totally watch it. This movie, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Anyway, I'm glad I went on that little journey. Uh, so, my next fact. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Tip Top Cafe, where a lot of the yeah. scenes take yeah. place, uh, it was a set created for the film, but it became an actual restaurant, the Tip Top Bistro, uh, following the movie's success. Later, it became a coffee and Italian ice cream shop. Oh. And after that, a fried chicken outlet. And oh. now it's a Mexican restaurant. Wow. Uh, it's like the, um, to go back to Schitt's Creek, it's like the little... Uh, Cafe in Schitt's Creek. Yeah, the Tropicana or Cafe Tropical or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was like, all I could think of was Rose Apothecary, and I was like, no, it's not Rose Apothecary. (laughs) Um, So there's an episode of Supernatural Mm -hmm. called Mystery Spot. Uh, Sam Sam Winchester repeatedly relives the same day over and over Mm -hmm. again, watching his brother Dean die a different way each time. The day Sam repeats is on a Tuesday, which is the day that Groundhog Day in 1993 fell on Mm -hmm. uh the year of this of the film's release sam also tries to explain the situation to dean in a diner much like phil does Mm -hmm. when trying to explain his predicament to rita dean trying to understand his brother's story repeatedly says you mean like groundhog day sounds like a thing dean would say yep i've never watched oh i i watched all of it okay um i've probably watched like an episode here or there but yeah i never intentionally Mm. yeah Never. I, I didn't mean to watch Just like, you know, if if a former roommate had it oh, on yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I've never turned an episode Oh, uh, okay. I, I definitely, I like that series. Um, I feel like I would like it if I... When it first came out, I was like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting. And I like it. And then I didn't watch it for like two or three seasons. Like I, like I was like, nope, that's not for me. And then one day I was just like, 
I think I like this show. I should go back and give another try. And then I was just like, well, now that I'm like starting from the beginning in season four, I can binge it all. Oh, yeah. So um, lots of binging of Supernatural. So in the 90s, it was very cool amongst the people in my grade to watch Days of Our Lives after school oh, every day. Okay. And people would talk about Days oh, of wow. Our Lives. Uh, and one of the Supernatural brothers... Oh, Not Jared Padlecki. Yeah, Jensen Ackles. Jensen Ackles. Yeah. yeah. He was on Days uh, of Our okay, Lives. Yeah, yeah. And I actually had to Google that a while ago because every time I saw anything about Supernatural, I was like, I swear that that's... And I can't remember his name now, um, but he married Sammy and they had a baby together. Oh. I could go on. Well. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I already say this was two hours long and now I'm talking about yeah. Days of Our Fucking Lives? Um, days of our fucking lives. <laughs> anyway, I had to Google it because I'm like, I gotta be remembering that yeah, wrong. But no, it no, was. It yeah, is, it was yeah. him. <laughs> okay, my next fun fact is my favorite fun Ooh, fact okay. for a very specific reason. Okay. So, I can be um, somewhat of a dismissive bitch when I want to be. What? Yeah, thank you for playing along. Um, that's really nice. Fuck you. So I mentioned earlier that my husband was like in and out kind of as I was watching yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, And he was there for one of the scenes. It was the second time Phil was um, reporting on Groundhog's mm-hmm, Day. Mm-hmm. And he does a countdown to the like three, two, one. And he yeah. holds his hand up and like visually counts down. Yeah. And Todd was like... He just held up his middle finger. And I'm like, no, he was just counting down. And he's like, no, I swear he was holding up his middle finger. And I'm like, come on. Yeah, right. Like, they wouldn't do that. That's dumb. Don't. Yeah. And I totally dismiss that as a possibility. Uh. So here I am scrolling through IMDb trivia. The second time Phil Connors counts down uh, to go on the air after the groundhog sees his shadow. When he gets to the number one, he holds up his middle finger rather than his pointer. So I owe Todd an apology. (laughs) Uh, the weather tended to change and since they were filming all the time from January until the spring, mm-hmm. they decided to shoot each variation of an outdoor scene back to back on the same day. Mm-hmm. So an example being all five versions of the Ned Ryerson encounter were all filmed like, oh, back to back. Oh, good idea, yeah. Movie was, this is the second, I can't think of what the other one was, okay. but this is the second movie that we've watched that was one of my picks that was selected for the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Oh, interesting. Apparently, after it was released, a whole bunch of writers uh, claimed that it was a ripoff of their story. Oh, <laughs> Uh, in the course of the film, Phil Connors endures Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages, um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Yeah. Harold Ramis uh, said Danny Rubin actually took Elizabeth Kubler-Ross as a model, her five stages of death and dying, and we used that for a template for Bill Murray's progress. Hmm. Well, then this could bring up another, you know, maybe it's not string theory. Maybe they're all dead. And this is like... Mm, maybe. And this is, like, Phil is in purgatory. And he has to go through something to, like, make something right before he can get into heaven. Oh, maybe. Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) So the amount of days that are actually depicted in the Mm -hmm. uh, film is 38. Oh, wow. Okay. I felt like it was more than that, actually. Yeah, that seems like a lot to me. I guess, yeah, maybe. 
Oh, I mentioned earlier before before we really got into the movie that it was either 10 or like 30 to 40 years. Mm -hmm. But originally, um, the concept was for Phil to live on February 2nd for about 10,000 years. Oh, wow. Um, And then later he said that it was probably Mm. 10. Yeah. And then he said 30 or 40. (laughs) (laughs) There was another part in that movie that I kind of got off on like another theory where every time he comes around the corner i think right before he meets ned there's a homeless man there and he's asking for change oh yeah and then there's kind of that could have been the magic key like give the well no what i thought was because later in in the movie he's like yeah okay i guess i can give you money because like i'm just gonna regenerate in the morning kind of thing so then you know you see him later where uh he kind of he takes him into the hospital because he's oh yeah yeah he's dying And then they're like, you know, there's nothing that we can do. And then the next day he sees him kind of on the corner again there. And it's like, is it him? Is it him somehow aging as an old man? And he's been stuck in this loop, but then somehow like another, like another him from another universe is somehow stuck there too, but is aging and so that's why he's so obsessed with like you can't let him die and i have to take Mm. care of him because that's him Hmm. and it was like is that why he's like stuck in there but it's him as an old man i kind of see this Uh, is why you have to watch sci-fi because i have all these like (laughs) cool ideas for sci-fi movies like that um okay both bill murray and harold ramus have been honorary grand marshals for the groundhog day celebrations in puxatawney oh i love it are you tired of hearing my that voice did, that yet? That didn't sound like too many. Oh, it felt like know. a lot. Oh, well, I don't know. It didn't seem like it. We can move on to next week. Yeah. So now we're like, we're in, into our second year starting <laughs> next week or next episode. So this was a, this is a nice way to end our first, our first year. Now, hopefully we don't wake up tomorrow to like record this episode again and then again and again until, i mean i've had some fun today we also end up in the street just killing each other just to kind of bring like both movies together. full circle yeah. yeah could you imagine waking up every day and it's just the purge i uh, you have <laughs> like, don't make me think you have that. fried my brain i'm done <laughs> um so we were having nice times this week yes. for our anniversary so let's turn it right around and be assholes next week yeah, or so we decided episode. that uh, that our next episode, the theme is going to be, you're going to hate this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to have you watch the 2003 remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or as you like to call it. The Texas Chainsaw Mascara. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I feel like it should. there should be like some kind of like webcomic or something where it's like the Texas Chainsaw Mascara starring Tammy Faye Baker. It's from something and okay. I can't even put my fa- I'll I'll I'll, okay. I'll sleuth it out for next week. I that's all I can call it. Like that's for years yeah. all I've ever called. <laughs> I awesome. never never seen it obviously, oh, but just wait. Um, just wait. Yeah, so you so yeah, we just were like how can we make each other miserable? Yeah. So you picked that um and apparently upon rewatching it you said there were multiple things that you think I'm just going to hate. Oh so. yeah, I rewatched it today and it's like oh she's not going to like that. Um so uh, in picking a pair for that, I was like scrolling through some quote unquote chick flicks. Yeah. And actually a long time ago, I I scrolled past this movie and thought, oh, Deanne would hate that so much. I'm not going to put that on the list because she would just 
hate it. Yeah. And, and I'm really, now I'm like, I want, you know. Really? No, there's no way. Okay, you're just like, going to hate it. I don't think I'm going to like this at all. I think you're just going to hate everything about this. Uh, so you're going to watch How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Oh, man. I, I feel like this could be how to lose a podcast host in 10 days. <laughs> so on that note, yeah. um, thanks for tuning in for our first year. If you've been listening all along, we love you even more. Um, mm. You can like, follow, and subscribe at all of your favorite podcatchers. There's a new one we just are yeah, on. Yeah, um, on Good Pods. Mm. Um, I, I like had to kind of like manually add us on that because I noticed that... Um, our our podcast pals, uh, the Dweller Archives, who uh, are on Instagram, and I'll like talk back and forth with them. They're always talking about how like, oh, we're like this number on Good Pods today, or we're on this on Good Pods, and it's like, what is this thing? So yeah, it's just another podcatcher, but it seems maybe a little bit more like interactive or something. Oh, cool. So yeah, I don't know. I set us up on there. If you're on Good Pods, you can listen to us there. All right, and you can find us on Instagram at Love and Horror Podcast. Um, I am on Instagram at Deanne Teresa. I'm on Instagram at LMCLaura580. You can send us an email at loveandhorrorpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a coffee page, uh, ko-fi.com slash loveandhorrorpodcast. If you want to send us a couple of dollars, send us some anniversary money if you are so inclined. For our next we'll... bottle of Prosecco. Yeah, that's right. And I will try not to dump this one all over my deck, but I will. Yeah, inevitably. Um, So, thanks again for listening, everybody. And remember, all is fair in love and horror. Now get the fuck out of my house. Whatever. Shut up, Laura.